I'm surprised a picture hadn't come about of that. Me sitting on a picnic table neck with a brace. neck brace on. Cigarette. With them trying to get the IV started in my arm, just smoking a cigarette. If I could get up and walk, I was getting on. Whether something was broke or not, all I knew is if I did my job and I picked a buck and this one I could get on, and rode I was going to win. Welcome, JB Mooney, to the Rodeo Time Podcast. Hey, if you're interested in XV Ranch apparel, JBDB apparel, the Mooney's own t-shirts, we've even got a few posters that he signed that are left, go to rodeotime.com. And as this podcast is releasing, we're starting Black Friday. So it's going to run from now until Cyber Monday. So for a whole week, the first week this podcast is out, it's buy one, get one on rodeotime.com. You buy a cap, you get a cap, and you get to pick the free item. You buy five, you get five, and you get to pick the free five. So check out rodeotime.com, get your JB Mooney apparel, along with Rodeo Time apparel, and uh, we'd like to thank our sponsors, American Hat, Total Feeds, that JB and I share, along with uh, my other sponsors, Can-Am, Side-by-Side, Rock and Roll Denim, we love that reflex, and Mountain Ops Supplements. We'd like to thank all those guys for bringing you this podcast with J.B. Mooney. Let's hear from the champ. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Rodeo Time, the podcast. We're uh, we're in the Dale Warehouse. We're in uh, Winnebago, and we've got a few people in the house. We've got uh, Mr. J.B. Mooney. Well, man, I'm trying to fucking... No, go ahead. A picture. Yeah, go ahead. Find the picture. I don't know. We're pretty laid back in here. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> um, Corey's having a hard time with his headphones. <laughs> I'm just going to... I'm going to do the whole podcast like this. There you go. With your head sideways. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> We've got Corey Anderson in the house of Total Feeds and... uh I guess Harry just couldn't make it. Harry's been on the road quite a bit. In fact, I think your crew, I think you saw him in Amarillo. I did. Yeah. Yep. He was hanging with Clarendon College. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was a pleasant surprise. I thought he was on the road less. Yeah. He gets gets the itch to get out there because he's spent, he put 100,000 miles on his truck every year. He used to drive from South Texas to Montana. Um as a nutritionist working, you know, as a consulting nutritionist for big cattle operations all over the country. And so he never quite got that out of his system. He's 80 now, so it's not as easy, but we got him a brand new truck and he just, he's trying to burn it up as fast. 100,000 miles a year is a lot. Yeah. Like that's like a, that's like a rodeo cowboy. Well, it's like a, a semi or something. If you like guys a teamster. If you guys didn't have to fly so much, JB, to all them PBRs, how many miles do you think you'd have put on a rig? We would would put mm, at least 50,000, 60,000 just in about three months during the summer run. Yeah. Did you find that picture? Yeah, I found you a couple, man. JB, pulling up a picture of a rig. I don't know if y'all see my first gen that I got redone. The what? Oh, the what now? Exactly. I haven't, I haven't heard about this. <laughs> I got my first gen uh, completely remodeled. I don't know. What do you call it? Refurbished? Remodeled? What do they do to it? I can't remember. Yeah. Factory fab up in Hayden, Idaho. I think they're 
but they're itching to do another one. JB wants to send him his work rig. Yeah, it's sweet. Yeah. Yeah, you got to have that extended shifter. Yeah, 10 inches. Bad shoulder. Yeah. Mine's you don't a, have to reach for it. It just sits right here. My shifter's got about a 6-inch extension. Now, JB, you wanted yours a little higher than, no. than Dale's, was no. it? No. What were we saying? No. Absolutely not. I can't even get in Dale's. <laughs> my legs don't go that high. They, I, We were standing out there, and he and I in the back, and I realized to put a bale of hay in there, I'd have to have it in my face just to get to the bed. I, okay, so I kind of got like a little bit of redneck in me, I guess, because just as a kid, like I loved like lifted trucks. And I had. Just jack it up. I had an 89 Suburban that was converted to a diesel with a 12-inch lift kit. (laughs) 12-inch lift kit. We are getting redneck. And 44-inch tires. I'll show you the picture here in a second. Would you have a stepladder to get in and out? Well, for the ladies, I did have a stepladder. I didn't use one. But we'd go hunting in it. I tried to run over some pigs once. Just went right over the top of them. They (laughs) They, it did not. They just knocked them over. The axle just knocked them over, and they were fine. But um, so that's just a four-inch lift. Wow! It wouldn't my sixteen-footer wouldn't pull behind that? It would be sitting. right. Yeah, it's not real good for like a gooseneck. You know, if you got a drop hitch for a bumper pull. Yeah, maybe. And despite how tall that is, your Can Am seems to be even bigger. Yeah, it's got thirty-fives on it. <laughs> I, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, the, the tires are bigger on the Can-Am than the Dodge. So maybe yeah. there's a little more redneck in me than I... Than, I, than you let on? Than yeah. I let on. <laughs> the the souped-up Can-Am is... Yeah. But I got that one with the cab at the at the house. That's my baby. Do you, do you ever find on the road that somebody doubts your bona fides as a redneck? Well, see, I don't ever, like, proudly proclaim to be redneck. I'd rather be labeled as a cowboy. Right. <laughs> and so I try not to like let on the redneck side of me out of fear that these kids will come up and use my own medicine against me and say, hey, you ain't no cowboy. Yeah. Because secretly deep down it hurts my feelings. <laughs> I figured it did. Yeah. Speaking of kids that come up, I don't know if it's every kid or every other kid. Where's JB? Mm. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. Touche. You get the same thing? Everywhere. No. Now. Do you seriously? Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel hey, bad. Where's bad Dale? <laughs> I feel bad for you. Probably at home. Oh, he's not with you? Well, you think we live together and go everywhere together? Like, <laughs> And then I use the same saying every single time. Secretary has to stay at home. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, every <laughs> single time they ask me where JB is, I say he'll be here in an hour. <laughs> and every time they get start. so excited. I'm going to start using that. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I forget to tell them it's a joke, and they will come back an hour later. Well, LJ, he set me up for failure Saturday. Uh, we're going to Mansfield. J.C. Knapp's got a bull team deal. I have two bulls entered. And a guy, J.C., posted on there who all's entered and the bull teams that are entered. And some guy commented on there, said, Jamie Mooney's really going to be there? And LJ replied back to him said, yeah, I heard he was signing autographs out front. I was like, oh, Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's um, so there goes my Saturday. Every single time I'm somewhere, hey, can you think you can deliver this message to yeah. JB? 
Can I have his phone number? Yeah. (laughs) This guy was. That's the one I love. Can I have his phone number? Silly drunk. Silly drunk. I probably knew him. At the WRCA finals. And he came up. He's like, look, I don't watch your videos. I don't get on the internet. And I was thinking, okay, well, then how'd you know to. Yeah. How do you know I'm on the internet? Right. (laughs) He just lead with that. Right. I don't do that Facebook. All right. Well, how'd you know to tell me that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You got to deliver a message to JB. All right. Just nodding, almost falling over. I'm just like in my head thinking, I'm not going to. (laughs) But he was so drunk. I was like, okay, you bet. Let me text him right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Every now and then, though, somebody will come. What was the message? Yeah, I'm I'm waiting for it, too. He wanted you to send a video to his daughter. (laughs) So... I'll I'll give I'll get you the phone number later. Well, that that Thank couldn't you. possibly go wrong, yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Somebody, depending on JB's mood, how could that go? Yeah, <laughs> JB's got a Depends heart. Depends on if we've been working bulls or not. <laughs> I was just gonna say, JB's got a heart. He'll do all those things. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just way deep down inside, <laughs> buried in my foot. <laughs> Takes a while to get down there to it. I gotta say, you're. You're really good with with fans, you know, because it's hard for me, you know, knowing you guys personally, to see him get mobbed, especially after uh, he's been doing something where he got hurt. And people don't seem to care. They're like, can you just give him a minute? Yeah. I, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but it's like, be mindful, you know? Right. Yeah. Be polite. That or even when I'd get bucked off with one I shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah. And I come out and I'm throwing my bull rope and yeah. I'm mad and you can easily tell I'm really mad. Yeah. Hey, man. <laughs> Will you FaceTime my brother? And I'm like, <laughs> seriously, I've no, seen it. Not right now. Give me five minutes and a cigarette and I'll be right back with you. Yeah. You will sit there. I don't, I don't know, know how you do it. It was that first summer you started pro rodeoing. I can't. I remember Jaisal Angel. She was a. She's his secretary for uh, Sammy Andrews, and, you know, she sent me a picture. She's like, JB has been out here for two hours. Oh, that's Fort mm-hmm. Smith. Is that where it was? Mm-hmm. I mean, the line, and, and it was like, it was an hour and a half, two hours in, and the line was still just, and JB yeah. was out there. And security guys, uh, yeah. Denny Flynn and them, I, they, you know, they asked me, I said, Would you, there's a bunch of people back here. I said, let me get all this stuff off, smoke a cigarette, and – let them roll. Yeah. And I said, just give me five or ten minutes yeah. get all my stuff put up, smoke me a cigarette, kind of chill out. I sat down. I said, let them have at it. Well, halfway through this, they're like, man, we can cut it off whenever you want to. I said, man, I don't have anywhere to be. I said, I'm going to that RV out there, going to sleep, and we're driving to the next rodeo tomorrow. I said, I would kind of feel like an asshole if I just said, no, nah, I'm done. I yeah. said, and they kept bringing me beer, so. Yeah. Yeah. I just. Drinking beer and signing autographs. I was like, man, they found my way to my heart. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 ladies and gentlemen, that's the lesson. That's five five minutes in a cigarette and all the beer he can drink, just give him that. Yeah, if you well, bring that, beer, <laughs> I'll sign. Well, that's what I'm it's saying. true. Like, JB will do those things. Yeah. He's got that heart. Right. He doesn't admit it. Yeah. But I've seen it. It's kind of like the, <laughs> what, what were you saying about those bulls? You, you started getting a couple nice ones. Yeah, I'm going to lose my reputation. <laughs> Kai Hamilton bought a place there in Stephenville, so 
he don't have his place quite set up yet for bulls and stuff, and he's bought a few practice bulls to keep at the house, and a couple of them are pretty gentle, and I'm losing my reputation of having a bunch of big, mean, hooking son of a guns. I've got bulls you can go in there and scratch on and pet on. I'm like, this is not – you can tell Kai lives around here now. <laughs> it's a petting zoo. Yeah. JB's gained a reputation when he shows up with a trailer load of bulls. Usually bull riders start leaving. Yeah. Usually I back up. All you can see in the trailer is heads, horns, and you can watch rigging bags disappear. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good thing. But that's what – is that what's next for you? I guess. A lot more bull trading and – That's where I'm going after I leave here today. Yeah. Pick up some more. I saw you had a trailer. Where are you going? North Wichita Falls. Yeah. Uh, It's Norris Dalton's bulls but he passed away nick ross he still runs it all so i'm gonna pick some up take them to the house start working and you you keep some bulls for some guys and i actually do have like i don't let everybody know that i have after your videos come out of me letting guys get on i'm gonna my reputation is really gonna go down (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty easy to keep it to a slim amount of people that come to the house yeah. yeah, because they always thought I had big, mean hooking some guns. But actually, I got, you know, you've been there. There's yep. four or five of them bulls that's not mean at all and actually good bulls just to get on. Yeah. Now, there goes my reputation. <laughs> Everybody's going to want to come over and get on. Yeah, well, let me get on Let me get on that, that muley over there that's real nice. <laughs> well, see, if you don't notice, like yesterday, the way I had them pinned, they were stacked in the back. So... They were going to have to get on whatever I wanted to buck first if they wanted to get to the the nice, yeah. gentle ones. That is, yeah, you do have the, your back pins the way they stack. Like, you do have to kind of go through them. Yeah, I, noticed, I did that on purpose. I noticed that when I was trying to load that muley in my yeah. trailer. I had to, like, shuffle around, like, half a dozen bulls to get to him. So are you, uh, but, I mean, if you had a couple bull riders that, I mean, them horns and hooking didn't scare them, Kai, it don't it don't bother him. Yeah, I mean he he's got on like that spotted bull of his is mean. He's got on him with just me out there fighting bulls. Like really? it don't it don't bother him too much. Yeah, that uh, I put the vest on when I went to go to fight him. You hey, yeah. the thing about him is he's not smart mean yet. You know right. he, he's he's mean, but he handles pretty good. Like when I feed him, heck, he stands from me to you when I'm feeding him and stuff. Like he's not bad, terribly mean. But when you buck him, he gets a little hot, but he don't know how to hook Yeah, until he ke- he'll keep spinning away. Now, once he slows down, picks his head up, he'll run over you. But Man, I, I can't remember which bull I was in the pen with yesterday, kind of going in there to get him out so we could get something else loaded. And you were like, hey, you might watch him. I immediately went to the fence. Because <laughs> you know? if JB's definition of you might watch him, yes, this, this bastard's going to be super mean. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to waste no time um you got that place set up it's like a bull heaven and it's an old dairy they're still welding on it every day oh yeah I've, there's there's a shed row i'm gonna take down uh eventually i'm gonna build samantha and jagger a big arena like a roping size arena that way she can exercise barrel horses thing like that i'm gonna do that up at by where that single wide's at yeah because there's a trap up there that I usually kick horses out in it, but I'm going to build her an actual barn with some nice runs, and she don't quite like putting her barrel horses in my bull pens. <laughs> my horses go in whatever pen I put them in. Right. But 
you know. Are her barrel horses there now? No, absolutely not. <laughs> no. Yeah. I'm on when that day comes around. Once I, I build that barn with the runs, it'll be by the arena up there. That way, she can have her stuff down there. I'll have my stuff up here. Keep that's hilarious. Yeah, hey, that that setup. You know, I remember being out there when you first uh, bought it. It's pretty rough. Yeah. And uh, there was a lot of cleanup. A lot of cleanup. Yeah, you were out there with the uh, skid steer. Skid steer for a long time. You yeah. know, and that pipe burst. I remember and stuff, but. You didn't rush right in. Like a lot of people have moved out to this country to be part of this community in the last couple of years. And they put up prefab stuff and it's all shiny and pretty and stuff. You didn't go that route. You've been doing everything piece by piece, just the way you want it. And I got to say, for what you do for the livestock, it it looks awesome. I mean, and it's you're really thinking through how you want it set up. Well, that's what... You know, it's red tail welding and construction built the whole place. We went through, it was six or seven semi-loads of pipe we've been through so far. Wow. But I told them when they first showed up, they said, what's your goal? I said, if I've got bulls and pins on this side, I want to be able to take them over here, and all I have to do is open and close gates. Yep. Everything has to connect and lead. And they said, well, why? I said, it's a one-man show usually around here. I'm usually doing all this by myself. Exactly. So, you know, cut gates are everywhere, you know. And, like, Hunter, he's really good at designing. So when we built that arena, he said, how many back pins you want? I said, as many as we can fit in there. I said, because everybody I've talked to always says, build a bunch. Because if you you don't, you always want more. Mm. You know, if you yeah. build 10 back pins, you're always going, well, I need 15. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I said, so the only reason there's not more there right now is because there's a water line over there. It's a two-inch water line, and I wanted to leave it because I got it run down to my arena so I can wet it with a fire hose. But right. uh, there's 19 total back pins. If you close every gate and make, you know, the way we set it up, and he drew it out, and the only thing I really did was showed him, you know, how I wanted gates to swing, which direction, you know, to make everything flow. And that's what everybody that comes to the house, they're like, gosh, dang, you thought about everything. Yeah. I said, I do this every day. Like well, I have to, like I had to set it up. Exactly. And you, you know, you, you got uh, hurt this last time and, and you were just sitting around thinking about it. I knew that. And, and watching you the other day, I'm like, wow, this is what he's doing. He's sitting around thinking about how to move cattle. Yeah. And you watch him do it by himself back there. I was like, that's impressive. That's well. That's what everybody that comes and gets on bulls is funny because they all just stand on the bucket and shoots and watch me. Yeah, you know, they'll pull slides for me and stuff. But you know, I work them every day, so yeah. I know which ones to pay attention to, which ones I can just kind of walk by and not even think about and stuff like that. So I would rather me just get back there and do it than somebody that's not around them every day and want to get them down, hook them, and hurt them. So right. I just do it. And part of this is the fact that you're not a, a guy that likes to just you don't enjoy just sitting around. No, I can't. I got to be doing something. Yep. Well, yesterday, Mason Taylor brought a couple bulls over to your house for me to look at, and uh, you were off moving some bull somewhere, and so he and I were on the other side, on the other delivery, and in those back pens, and we were like, "Well, maybe we should move him over here and do this over." And then we we're like, and then we looked at each other like, "Or maybe we should just let JB do it. <laughs> He's got a certain system that he wants to use because it was going to involve us moving this one or that yeah. one, but." It's like a maze, and he's he's like got the key to the whole maze. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, if you notice, like a lot of them pins, there's a few of them that most of them, if you fold them gates all the way back around, mm -hmm. there's a triangle you can stand in behind it where they can't mash it. Yeah. I did that on purpose. Yeah. So I, it's, it's you know, 12-foot pins or whatever they are with a 10-foot gate. Yeah. That way I can open it, step inside the gate, bring it to them bulls. Well, when you bring it all the way around, it hits. Well, you can stand in there. So Because yeah. a lot of them bulls I get, like probably the ones I'm going to pick up today, seem one human in their whole life, mm. you know, mean, right. ignorant, wild. So, and hey, you pull that gate around to you, they can't get to you. They can hit it all they want to, and you can just stand in that little corner right there. That's why we did it. I told them to build them like that. That way I had a place to hide. Yeah, it's amazing. You, see, you, you also got a big old hydraulic chute that them bulls with huge horns can go up in, got that yeah. cage in front. Yeah, it's set up. Are, so, like, I mean, is it something where somebody, w if that, like, hey, let's say somebody wants to get in the bull business and either partner on a bull or have somebody take care of it, like, you'd be the guy, like, hey, look, I got these five, six bulls. I own them. I want to see them go down the road, but I need somewhere for somebody to work them. Like, that's what you're set up for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I built it because, you know, where my pens are set up kind of like a feed yard. Yeah. You know, there's runs, but every lane, like, yeah, if they're in those pens over there, you can go to two different loadouts, the squeeze chute or the back pens, and all you have to do is open close gates. Boy, that's, you just said the feed yard. That's, that's why it felt so familiar with me because yeah. I grew up following my dad around from feed yard to feed yard. And, yeah. and you, you process cattle, you have to move a lot of livestock efficiently. Yeah. Huh. And I like it too. It's just big enough that you, you know, you can get horseback. And so those horse, those bulls will learn to respect a horse. Oh, they're, uh, even those wild bulls I go get, they're 10 times easier to handle horseback. Yeah. Yeah. Now well, when I push them, once I get them in the back pens and get them all stacked in there, I do everything on foot. But, you know, it, like, it's pretty interesting when I get a fresh load in and I push them down there in them back pens because it might take me all day to load two bulls. Mm. But I do it, and I just, you know, I wait on them bulls to just finally give up, and then I'll push them up. And then, you know, I get over there, and I'll start working on them to get them in the 90s because half them bulls I get has never even been in a buck and shoot. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, there's – there's so I've been taking tie over there a couple times. We've been over there three times the last 10 days. And so the first day I was over there, I watched y'all buck these two bulls. One of them was jumping out of pens flat-footed. And so over the course of 10 days, I watched you halter him, train him, to where now he doesn't do anything. And so that was one bull that, like, really just turned to flip, for lack of better words, no pun intended, as far as, like, his progress. And then the second one that I noticed – was uh, a bruiser-looking bull. I know he's not out of bruiser. We th I thought that was that one. But um, the first time you bucked him, he just pretty much run off. But then the second time you bucked him, you adjusted a few things, and uh, he got it on, like, in the latch. And uh, it made me realize, you know, it made me remember, you know, you're not just sending a bull to JB and then he just get bucked, you know, like, all right, what does this bull need to have his best out? See, them two bulls, too, both of those bulls, that gray and the red brimmer, like you got to watch how much hay you give them because, boy, the, the red will bloat. And mm -hmm. the little gray, he'll get – he'll look bred. Yeah. I mean, so 
every day like i have to i look at them when i'm feeding they get grain twice a day no matter what but hay a lot of them you know sometimes i get them thin bulls in i'll feed them hay twice a day or stick them in a pen with a round bell in it just so they can eat until they fill up and then i'll move them but like them two i have to i look at them before i give them hay to figure out all right well you know i can give them hay today right i mean if you if you throw them hay every day them son of a guns they get fat on dirt i don't know why yeah so that's what when lance brought them to me and dropped them off they were a little on the heavy side and he said he had backed them off the grain and stuff but heck he was feeding them alfalfa and coastal right and they were just yeah and so i've been kind of backing them off and that gray bull, that was one problem. He was a little fat the last time we bucked him, and then when we bucked him yesterday, you know, I got him slim back down to where he needed to be, and he bucked. Yeah. No, he got it on. Yeah, that was neat. And that was something, you know, that's one of the things talking to Rogan about that the world doesn't realize, you know, how much thought and time and effort you put into everything with these bucking bulls because they're potentially worth so much money. Um but even just the nutrition, you know, like not only bucking bulls, but horses, you know, I'm going to make sure Boone's got the best nutrition possible. He doesn't, most of the time he doesn't get hay. Sometimes in the winter I'll put out some, some hay and they'll have access to some good coastal. But for the most part, he gets eight pounds of total equine every day. And he's 23 and he's had, that's been his diet since he was 12. So going on 10 years is what that's been Boone every day. Well, you see how fat all my horses are standing around there. That big black horse, what's his name? What do y'all call Richard. him? Richard. Richard. Yeah. Uh, where'd you get him? He come from the Amish. Oh, yeah. When you were up in North Carolina? Mm-hmm. That's a big, gentle rascal. Yeah, that's, that's Randy's main stick now. Yeah. That's beautiful. I finally, I finally got Randy matched up with a horse. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, want, he wants to do stuff. Like, he loves it when he comes over there. He's like, what are you doing today? I'm work some of these bulls, just run them through the chute. Horseback? Yep. I'm coming. Yeah. yeah. So I'll just saddle old, I'll saddle Richard up. The first day he came, I didn't know how, you know, I didn't know how they were going to pair up. So I didn't give him any spurs. And he, we got done. I said, how'd you like it? He said, man, it's just, it's hard to move him, you know, around them gates. Cause yeah. you know, spin around them gates, close them and open them and stuff. And I said, I'll give you some gigs next time. Right. So the next time he came, I gave him a set of spurs put on it. Boy, I love this. Thanks, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, he uh, he matches up. He looks so punchy. Like, Randy's got that, especially on that big horse. Oh, yeah. Put him on that big horse, and he looks. That's a big horse. I let Randy ride him because I can't, I mean, I, I can ride him, but I can't ride him all day. Because of your hips? Yeah. Dang. I was going like, to say. I won't be able to pick my right leg up to get off of him if I ride him all day long. Yeah. It's like getting on a 55-gallon drum. Well, yeah, you, he's a uh, big fella. Speaking of getting on him, you're able, you like, just pick up his front foot and he'll lay down for you. Yeah, you just pull it right around. He'll yeah, we got down. a great video of that. Oh, yeah, you were still there. I yeah. thought you might have left. Yeah, no, we got a video of, of Randy that's getting the, up on him. That's the first time I've laid him down in, I don't know how long, over a year. Well, he didn't really? forget. Oh, I, it looked like you did it every day. Yeah, hey, if you do it every day, you can lay him down and he'll just lay there. Yeah. But I mean, I hadn't. It's been over a year since I laid him down, and oh, but you can no tell problem. you tap that front left leg with your boot, and he'll just pick it up and hold it up for you. And you just hold it with your fingertips, pull his old head around. And he'll just lay right over. Yeah, yeah. Just I used to get on him like that all the time because, gosh dang, the stirrup was at my chin. <laughs> yeah, it's like Dale's can am. Yeah, 
It's like getting in the first gen out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, I, I hadn't heard it in forever. You uh, watching them guys, you were giving Kyle a hard time about how much time he takes in the shoot. Oh, and yeah. very similar to Ty. I just had an intern here. He just left. His name was Joey. And he was more like you. Like, you better be ready with the flank because he's just going to nod real fast. He come. He had worked for Canaan, uh, Ace. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess that was something he picked up getting on for him. Like, don't waste time in the buck and shoot. But it reminded me of how quick you'll nod. Mm-hmm. But where was it that you were at? Tell that story about the flank. Well, oh, it was a PBR somewhere. Curtis Mendel had a black ball face bull that everybody wanted to get on him. Yeah. And they called him Chester. And I had him somewhere. Well, Curtis had got used to them guys taking so long in the bucking shoots and stuff, he wasn't paying attention. Well, I took my wrap and nodded and bailed up there. And the first jump out of the bucking shoot, there's a pitcher. He's just holding the tail of the flank. <laughs> like he didn't have him flank. Well, I was like 86 and a half on him. But they had to give me the option of a re-ride because no flank. Yeah. So I walked back over there. I said, Curtis, you want to run him back in? He said, really? I said, yeah. He said, yeah, I'll run him back in. So they spun him back around, running back in. They bucked, you know, I don't know how many bulls. And then I got right back on him. And I took my wrap that time. When I took it, I looked back. I said, you got him flank? Yeah, you're ready now. I was 87 and a half on him second time. <laughs> a full point. <laughs> how yeah. many How many bull riders going yeah. today would have taken the re-ride on an 86 and a half? None. Zero. So this, yeah, this is JB, you know, at the – Blackjack well, table. I got I got a queen and a nine. Hit me. <laughs> I got this. I'm here to win. I got this. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't quite as bad at gambling. What a I mean, is there anybody that would have done that? Do you that you think? I mean, a lot Today? of them play the a lot of them play the odds. Well, see, I knew the bull. And he he does the same thing every single time. And I said, well, shoot, if I was 86 and a half on him without a flank, surely I can be more. Right. And, like, I I had it in my head there was no way he was going to buck me off. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if he would have, it would look pretty stupid. But, yeah, you know, luckily it worked out. So, yeah. I mean, there, there's a couple times I did that where it didn't work out. Uh, one year at Nampa, I had reindeer in the short round, and he reindeered off. And uh, I can't remember, I was like 74 points on him. Well, if I'd have kept the score, I'd have won second. Yeah. And the re-ride was a big black muley that Chad Berger had, and I said, give him to me. And they were like, man, if you just keep your score, you're going to win second. I was like, Oh, I'm you not. already knew. Oh, yeah. They told me. I mm-hmm. was like, I'm not here for second. Run him in there. Hell, yeah. So I get on the black muley. Well, I'm like 72 on him. And the next re-ride was Katmandu. And they're like, look, you're going to win second. I said, no, run him in there. He bucked me off seven seconds. I ended up winning like seventh. Yeah. But that's J.B. Mooney. Yeah, I mean, you don't get two world championships by just coasting. Well, I was always there. I wasn't playing the odds, the average. I was there to win. Right. Whether it was win the round, win the whole deal. That's what I told. I always would tell people, if I win every round, I'm going to win the average. You don't have to play the odds or look at the average. If you win every round. You're going to win the average. Right. Um, yeah, so I, 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 I didn't get to finish the quote. Again, I was on Rogan. I was, like, telling your story about, you know, Bushwhacker and you picking the ranked bulls. But, I mean, 
that seems like that same situation. You know, I, I asked you on a podcast a long time ago, like, why you do that? Nobody remembers 85-point rides. That's it. Yeah, we got it on a few T-shirts. You write that in stone. Nobody remembers 85-point <laughs> bull rides. Yeah. that. I mean, I, I just, I think that that's kind of a, maybe there's always, I don't, I don't know that, I don't want to just like throw the current bull riding generation under the bus. I feel like that's probably always been a rarity. Like even in the 90s, sure. you know, like tough and and Ty and a lot of them guys were, you know, had a mentality like that that um, was probably rare back then too. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, I just, I th- well, you see it more now because everything's televised. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you see it more now than you would back then. You know, everything wasn't televised. So, yeah. And that, I mean, I think it's got a little weaker the generation now, but it's still like everything's put on TV or on Facebook or Instagram, so yep. you see everything. So everybody knows about it. It's not like back then when not everything was televised. You didn't see half of it. Right. You know. Yeah. A guy could, a guy could turn down a re-ride. Yeah. And and nobody, nobody knew about it except who was there. Now, and you, you know, you think <clears throat> you see this in a lot of other sports. You know, football, basketball, uh, people are are managing career like a business. Oh, like, yeah. well, I, I need to last as long as I can and make as much as I can. So they're going to give up the Super Bowl ring. But, you know, they're going to play an extra five years, but they never, like you said, you're not going to remember them, but that's what they're in for. Mm-hmm. They're in for the business of being a professional athlete. You were in to win. To win. That yeah. was it. I always figured if, uh, you know, when I was little, it was kind of drilled into my head. You play the game, you take the pain. And so I lived by that. And, you know, it, it wasn't a business. No. You know, I it, mean, if I was wanting to be a businessman, I'd, I probably damn sure wouldn't have chose riding bulls. Right. For a living. And, yeah. But, you know, I, I've all, I was always like that. I didn't play the odds. I wasn't banking on other people getting bucked off or trying to pick bulls yep. I knew I could ride. All I knew is if I did my job and I picked a buck and this one I could get on, and rode him, I was going to win. It was simple, easy plan, and that, and that's what I, them guys, you know, well, they'd always would be standing out there for the draft. What are you picking? I don't know. I knew exactly what I was picking, but I didn't tell them. Right. I was like, I don't know, not one you want. So why are yeah. you even asking me? Yeah. Yeah. And you know that they had to do a lot more thinking than I had to. Right. I looked at it. I picked one, whether I was sitting first, fifth, or last, I picked me one out on that sheet that I figured was the buckingest one in there that nobody wanted to get on. No matter where I was sitting, I usually got the one I wanted to get on. Mm-hmm. And so while they're over there studying their paper and looking and watching videos and doing this and that, I was just standing there because I said, you keep it simple. Like, it's eight seconds. That, you boy, you bring up a, a good point. You didn't have competition for your bulls. Mm-mm. And so you could do all that planning to try to get, you know, the average, win the average, oh, yeah. and not get your bull. Because, like, oh, or yeah, the guys want that same bull. There was plenty of times that I could have picked different bulls and won the event. Mm-hmm. But Bushwhacker was in there, and it was kind of a pride deal. Like, I was going to ride the son of a bitch, so yeah. I'd pick him. That's legendary. And then, and then when they retired him, somebody said, oh, Bet you hate that retired him. I was like, absolutely not. I don't have to get on him ever again. <laughs> Maybe I can make more money now. Yeah. That was, I mean, that was just JB against JB. 
Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, I did it to myself, you know, because I every time he was in a draft, I picked him. And I'd got it in my head I was going to ride the son of a gun, so I just kept on. I was like, and finally it worked out. This is personal, Bushwhacker. What was it? I'm coming for you. 94 and a quarter? Ah, shit, I can't remember. All I know is whistle blew. Yeah. And I was not on the ground. I was <laughs> I was headed to the ground, but my hand was still in the rope. Yeah. Every yeah. other time, I was usually either dragging or under him or piled up and when the whistle blew. After that many rides, was it hard for you to accept at first? You're like, did, it, did I really hear the whistle blow? <laughs> oh, yeah. Because it was close. If it had been 8.1, I wouldn't have rode him. Yeah. Like the whistle blew as I was headed to the ground. I just wouldn't turn loose of that rope. Who was it that rode him as a two-year-old? Uh, three-year-old. When it was classic gear, uh, two of them. There was a Brazilian. I can't remember his name. He didn't stay around very long. He rode him, and Marcus Marilouch rode him. Marilouch. When he was a classic bull when they first cracked him out. Yeah. You should have seen him with a dummy. Stupid rank? No. Horrible. Really? Really? Yeah. You would have known. He would have been in a coal pen. Really? Horrible. Dang. Well, there's a story. Terrible. That's funny. I've seen I've seen one video when they bucked him with a dummy, and I was like, you're kidding me. Yeah. Like, I mean, jump out there, hit flat-footed, not kick, swinging his head, just horrible. Right. And I, I, that's what it got me to thinking. I'm like, golly. Like, if, if they would have been culling back then – the way they do now on them dummy bulls, mm. there would have never been a bushwhacker. There, I mean, them bulls would have never made it past the dummy. Wow. It makes you wonder how yeah. many bushwhackers have been culled lately. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like the chemistry's not there for the bull. You know, and a dummy. lot, of, you can, somewhat you can tell, like, when you get them, when they're two-year-olds, you can tell, you know, whether they're, going to be dummy bulls or rider bulls i mean you can kind of go off that but still you don't know till you put somebody on them yeah what percentage of like a good dummy bull makes it you feel like makes a good rider bull the thing about it is like them guys they go with them you know they buck them so much with that dummy you know entering them in them competitions and winning with them well by the time they're four-year-old bulls going hell they've had how many trips on them yeah. Well, you should not do that. Mm. You, you know, until the dummies, when the dummies came out before they started faturities, you know, you, you'd put a couple trips on them to see if you was going to cull them or not with a dummy. And if you wanted to keep them, you kicked them out in the pasture till they were three. And then you got them up and started working them and putting guys on them. Yeah. So now if you, if you buy one that's went through the faturities and all that, there's no telling how many trips or how many times he's been bucked. Right, so I don't I don't think they last quite as long, you know, because they've got they've already got miles under them before they're even three year old before they're even big enough to put a guy on. That's like a lot of those bulls I get, you know, they might be four or five years old, but they're fresh. They've yeah. never been bucked, you know. So shoot you buy them, they'll last forever. Yeah, yeah. I kind of got a little bit different mindset when it comes to those giving those horses some time to and bulls um like when they come here to the house to be like a practice type bull for some of these guys because the whole their whole life changes when they come here you know because they're not getting the main thing they are not getting put on a trailer 
yeah. you know, and the wear and tear of going down the road, bouncing around in a trailer, in a metal box, you know, going, I don't know if you guys been uh, eastbound on I-40 lately, but it ain't good. You got to get a new axle every time you come back yeah. from Vegas. Yep. So you put a, you put, you know, 15, 20 of those trips a year on a bull and it'll wear and tear on them. Well, when they come here to Radiator Ranch, it's like, you're going to be fed total feeds. You're going to walk from this pen to that pen once a week. And then you walk back, you know, you eat, sleep, and sometimes you get a two or three week break, you know, depending on maybe we're on the road. So like, I'll see, that's why I went ahead and bought that bull yesterday, Yeah, you know, cause he didn't have his trip. He's a little bit older, but I know, you know, he will turn back and when he gets here, he's going to have a week off and then he might, maybe we take him somewhere once a year, you know, like he's just going to have a really good life and he'll, he'll have another shot at, at getting good again. But I know that's not realistic for everybody. You know, you gotta, that, that's the whole point. You got to haul him to the show. Yeah. You know, but, um, well, that's how those bulls, you know, that I work around there, I get them in, I decide I, a lot of times I'll run them down to the same deal. They go from pen to the back pins in the buck yep. and shoot. And, you know, I bought a set of calves off a guy one time, two-year-olds, or coming two-year-olds, and for 28 days straight, they went through those bucking shoots. Mm. I'd feed in the mornings, and once they were finished eating, I had a horse saddled. I'd push them all down there in the back pens. Once I had them all stacked in there, got off, and I'd sort them one at a time and load them. Dang. Leave them in there, go get another one out of the pen, load them. Well, by the end of 28 days... You could walk in there with just a flag, and yeah. whichever one you wanted out of there, you walk him out, close the gate, you load right up, just stand there calm, put the dummy on them, didn't fight the box. Yeah. And But, I mean, you just got to read them. Yeah. You know, like like that Red Bull, you know, uh, the first day when I had a halter on him, first day I got him there, we unloaded him, and with within 20 minutes he jumped three pins that are six foot tall. Yeah. And I – Found out pretty quick, like, why they'd never bucked him, probably. <laughs> and Kyle was standing there, and we were watching him jump from one pin to the next like a deer, and he goes, how do we fix that? <laughs> I said, I got ways. So I put the halter on him and tied him up and left him standing for a couple of hours. Untied him, but I left that lead. You know, he drags it around, stepping on it. Kind of like training a dog, you know, to lead. You just let them drag it around, step on it enough, they'll figure out to yeah. give to the pressure and – I run him every time I would pin those bulls. I would tie him up for a certain amount of time, and then I'd untie him with that lead, run him in the chute, mess with him in there, and then let him out. The other day, I I rolled him in there. He never tried to jump, nothing. So I said, I won't take that halter off of him. So I took it off. You seen the way he acted? He walked straight in there. I mean, he'll pick his head up and look a little bit, but yeah, never tried to jump out. Didn't try to jump out of my arena. Yeah, man, that's what like. It's, I think I've been to three booths since you've retired and everybody walks up like we said where's jb he'll be here in an hour really no oh and then they'll ask what's he gonna do now and it's like i don't think people understand how much you love this industry and the things that go along with it like he's he still doesn't have enough time in the day to do what he wants to do even without bull riding you know oh, like yeah. you get you're you're so involved with Yep, that place and raising bulls like you'd love it so much that it's it. There's well, no you, question of what you'll do. You, know, those of us know you know you've been doing this for a long time. It's oh, just yeah. 
you don't just sit around between bull ridings. No. You've never done that. That's why even when we'd go on summer run, like, you know, it was fun. But, man, I was sitting there just – I was always worried about what was going on in my barns. You know, <laughs> if things were taken care of. Right? In which – I don't want other people working those bulls because, you know, I don't want them getting hurt while I'm gone or something like that. So when I'd leave, I kick them out in pastures. That way they just pull in there, they feed, and they drive out. You mm-hmm. know, nothing's in pens or anything like that. And then, you know, like this summer I came home, my neck was broke. So it took, you know, three or four days of sitting in that house not being able to do anything. And I was like, yeah, I'm done with this. So yeah. I started going back over to the barns, yeah. and we pinned them all back up. And, it was pretty funny because uh, I wasn't supposed to be getting into pens and doing stuff like that. I wasn't supposed to be doing hardly anything. And I'm pretty sure, no. I had the neck brace on, and I, a couple of them bulls were pretty hot. I told them they brought them in, and, you know, it it amazes me that guys that have worked cattle and stuff, but it's a whole different deal working those bulls, knowing which way to swing the gate, which way, you know, to make them flow and come out of them pens, especially them hot bulls. And uh, the boy that was living there, he he's scared to death. He was up on top of them panels, and it was hot that day. I had that neck brace on. I was sweating. I wasn't in a very good mood, and I finally come apart. I told him if he didn't get off the top of them pens, I was going to hot shot him, and then he was going and staying inside and was not coming back out there. I said, you know what? Never mind. Get out of my way. Because I told him, I said, there's two bulls in that pen. you got to split off. They go on the other side. And I said, just get out, of the, get out of the pens. I crawled over in there and stepped in the pen, sorted the two out, shut the gate. Wasn't in there five minutes. I was like, boy, that was hard, wasn't it? <laughs> I crawled back up there, and Randy, he's up there giggling on the back of the bucking chutes. And I walk up there, and he's trying not to laugh because that boy's standing right there. And I look at him, and I said, that's a good thing that Red Bull didn't hook the shit out of me when I stepped in there. <laughs> it was like, he goes, man, I was kind of worried. I was like, the thing that worked like I had it planned. Because he was mean, but. What was the, was it like, was it Labor Day? He broke it? Uh, the 6th, September 6th. Yeah, a little bit after. I think mm-hmm. I had, yeah, because I had surgery on the 8th, I believe. How'd that go down? Where was you? Lewiston, Idaho. That's right. You were in Lewiston. And wow. I'd been, they had been wearing my long legs way from out. a lot of things. Yeah. It was in Idaho. Yeah. They had been wearing my legs out. Like when I got to Lewiston, I had a walking boot on my right leg. My ankle was broke and I broke my left foot. Well, I didn't actually break it. It was an old break that I rebroke and broke a piece of the bone off. So it's just floating around on my foot. And then my left fibula, I broke it in June. So my legs were shot. Like, I didn't know which leg to limp on. And we got there, and that's what I was joking around because, like, in Ellensburg, I hung up to a bull, just stomped my legs. They were swelled up, just wrecked out. But it was right at the time I was sitting close enough that I had to keep going. You know, I couldn't stop. And so we get to Lewiston, and that bull, I get behind on him. He's a good bull. And I got behind, he caught me with his hip. And I guess I had a hold of that tail you know, it's still wrapped around my hand. So when I went up, it kind of just snatched me straight to the ground. Well, I landed. I didn't – well, this was a hat I had on. Because you can see the ripples. Yeah. That's where I hit, right on the back left corner of my head. And my head was – I guess I was turned, trying to get turned over in the air. Yeah. I didn't quite get there. When I hit, as soon as I rolled over, I knew it was broke. I 
when I went to push to get up, I knew it. I felt it. And Ooh. I tucked this arm in because it shot a pain down through my arm. And somehow, because I'm not very flexible, I got up on my knees and was, like, walking on my knees and got up on my feet. And Shane Proctor, he, I guess he realized something was wrong. He jumped buck and shoot, and he got a hold of me, and we got back in that shoe. That bull was spinning behind me. Mm-hmm. And we got in the buck and shoot. I kind of was – bent over had my head on the back of the bucket shoot he said you all right i said i just broke my neck he said oh dang don't move i was like is that bull gone he said yeah i said let me out of this shoot i just turned walked out the front of the arena and i just i knew to keep everything as still and as straight as i could i yeah. walked out and got outside and sat down on the picnic table and those paramedics walked over so what's going on i was like my neck is broke and they went to freaking out yeah and we put a neck collar on and was trying to get my boots and spurs off and everything. And Hulk Whitty he was sitting there. He said, you need anything? I was like, nah, I'm all right. What about a cigarette? I was like, yes, I could use one of those. Because where I'm headed, they're not going to let me smoke. So I'm surprised a picture hadn't come about of that. Me sitting on a picnic table the neck with brace, a neck brace on. Cigarette. With them trying to get the IV started in my arm, just smoking a cigarette. And, you know, that's what I told him. I said, man past month i've been wanting them i've been wanting to land on my head so my legs could take a break and i said i finally land on my head and it break my damn neck but that's what we got over there i didn't know it was as bad as it was you know i knew it was broke but i didn't know it was as bad as it was they did the ct scan they told me they were admitting me and everything they see some stuff so they said uh send you in the morning for mris uh we're admitting you probably gonna have to have surgery I was kind of thinking, I'm not real sure if I want to have surgery in Lewiston, Idaho. It's not a very big hospital. Yeah. Yeah. So I called Tandy and I said, man, if I can get this guy to call you, will you just figure everything out? I said, I don't know if I want to have surgery here or not. Like, I don't know. And he said, yeah. So after the MRI, the surgeon came in, he talked to me. He's a really nice guy. And I, you know, kind of asked him, I said, man, I don't mean any disrespect or anything. I said, but orthopedic surgeons worked on me for 20 years of my life. Do you mind calling him and, you know, just explaining everything to him. He said, yeah, no problem. About an hour and a half later, I got a call from Tandy. He said, you're having surgery in Lewiston. And I said, why? He said, they can't risk transporting you. Like, it's not right. stable. Dang. I said, that bad? He said, it's not very good. And I said, all right. So, morning of the 8th, they did the surgery. They cut me right there, went in the front, took the disc out. And then went down the back, you know, cut the back of my neck and put the plate, screws, and rod in. And after the surgery, he, uh, I wasn't awake yet. He told Samantha that, he said, I don't know why he's not paraplegic. And she said, what do you mean? He said, the disc was flipped, twisted, and smashed into my spinal cord. Said, if I had any room at all, I had maybe a millimeter. And then he, you know, once I woke up, he came in and talked to me and everything. And that's when he told me, he said, uh, your occupation I said, what about it? He said, you might be time to find a different one. I said, why is that? He said, if you land on your head like that again, you're going to run a pretty good chance of snapping your neck. He said, because where we fixed is going to be stout. And in return, that's going to be so stout, it's going to weaken above and below it. He said, so if you land on your head like that again, he said, I can't say it's going to happen, but you're going to run the risk of snapping your neck. And if you do that, you're going to be in a wheelchair the rest of your life or dead one. And I said, well, if I could have figured out how not to land on my head, I'd have probably started out about 20 years ago. Yeah. He said, what do you mean? I said, I go up, usually my head weighs more than my feet. It comes down first. Yeah. So 
You know, I told somebody, they said, you really retiring? I said, yeah. I said, you know, I said, if it wasn't for Samantha and Jagger, I probably wouldn't. Because, I mean, bull riding's a gamble. You Every time you nod your head, I right. said, but, you know, I don't want to be dead or stuck in a wheelchair either. Dang. I said, so I made a decision and, you know, 36 years old, I had a pretty good run at him. Yeah, I think it was Randy said, sorry, you had to go out like that. Yeah, Randy's like, I just hate you had to go out that way. And I said, Randy, it was always going in that way. And he said, what do you mean? I said, because I would have never been able to tell myself I couldn't do it. Yeah. You know, even to this day, watching them boys get on bulls. Right. I still, it runs through my head. Hell, I could have rode that one. Yeah. You know, and it'll always be that way. I just, now I know I can't. And. Yeah, I was talking to somebody else um, who had a similar injury, you know, not quite as high up, but still like lay right here, you know, until a surgeon gets here. and It's almost something liberating. You know, I've watched my old man go through it. He got on a bronc as late as he died when he was 55. And uh, I think about a month after he turned 55, well, that 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 fall when he was 54, he got on a bucking horse at um, – just a little, I think there was like five of us entered, you know, and he was 67 points. It was like, it was the, he was on cloud nine, you know. Um, and not that he was like, oh, I need to get going again, you know, but, and even uh, Mason Taylor showed a video of his dad yeah. getting on yesterday and his dad was like 48. And it's just like this thing, it's like, it grabs a hold of a rodeo cowboy and it just trickles away real slow. And it's this constant battle you can see these older cowboys get into and uh there's something liberating about not having to engage in that battle yeah and that's that was a thing like i told randy i said it's better off this way too you know i would have never been able to tell myself i couldn't because that was a couple of things i prided myself on and that was being tough yeah and it didn't matter how bad they crippled me up or how bad i was hurt i always had it in my head that I could still ride. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody, well, you've been beat up this, you've been beat up that. Well, just like I said, if I wanted to be a businessman, I wouldn't have chose to ride bulls for a living. I knew what come with the territory, and I accepted yep. it, and I dealt with it. And uh, But I was like, this is probably the best way. Yeah. You know? Because it's like an itch you got to scratch. Yeah. Like I like watching that Brennel bull, oh, man, I was like, man, I'd like to get on him with my tennis shoes, you know. <laughs> But my luck, yeah. I'd probably land on top of my head and it'd kill me. So Yeah. yeah. Or you worse. Know. You know, and and another thing, like I told like I explained to her, I was like, I didn't have to make the decision. It was yeah. made for me. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it, it's a lot different than just saying, Hey, I'm done. You know. Yeah. Like they pretty much told me like you you land on your head, you're dead or in a wheelchair. So Right. Yeah. Then you're not gotcha. Not a position of, of talking yourself out of something. Yeah. You you just spend your time accepting it. You know, somebody said, well, would you have retired this year if you made the NFR? I said, probably not. Because <laughs> if I would have made it, <laughs> you know, I'd have been like, well, made I, it. Yeah. I will make it again next year. You yeah. know, why stop now? And I was just, I was happy, you know, that Jagger was old enough to be able to go experience it, see me ride in person before it happened, you know. That's what yeah. – you know, yeah. McBride, McBride always told me when I told him, I said, I want to, I want him to be old enough to remember it, you know, see yeah. me be able, cause I know a lot of guys that, you know, they're, 
their kids grow up and they're like, well, you wrote bulls, but I want to see it in person. Right. You know, and that's what I tell He's always like YouTube, man. I said, but it's not the same, you know, watching a video is watching it in person. So I was fortunate enough. He's old enough. He remembers. He'll be able to remember Mm -hmm. getting to go on the road, going everywhere and watching me ride. And that, that was the hardest part was getting, explaining to him that I was done. Mm. Yeah. Because we got in the RV. We had 28 hours to drive back. It was, right. You know, after neck surgery, I was not feeling so good. And he's like, where are we going? Next rodeo? I was like, dang. No, buddy. I was like, those days are over with. What do you mean? And I was like, I can't ride bulls anymore. And dang. He's like, well, why? And I explained it to him. I said, you know, the doctor pretty much said if I land on my head again, a pretty good chance I either uh, I'll die or I'll be stuck in a wheelchair the rest of my life. And, oh, and I finally got it. He finally understood. Like, mm-hmm. And one day I was headed in Barnes, and I still have my neck brace on. I was headed over there, and he said, Dad, I'll go with you. I said, why? He said, well, you're working those bulls today, aren't you? I said, yeah. He said, you don't need to get in there. I don't want you to get hurt. Oh, They can hook me. I don't want you to get hurt. Oh. I said, buddy, you don't worry about your daddy. I said, you just wait till you're a little bigger before you start getting in there with them. That's adorable. Golly. Dare I, dare I say cute. Yeah. That's adorable. It is. And at the same time, I was I was watching him ride that pony the oh. day. And standing with Samantha, I'm like, oh, my God, he's got JB's fearlessness. Like, oh. God help us all. Well, Samantha, <laughs> Samantha's got, seems like that same. Oh, yeah. So, like, he's Are got it kidding? from both sides of the family. That's yeah. what she was telling and, him to slow down. I'm like, really? You're telling him to slow down on a horse? Yeah. <laughs> Well, like, I mean, you know, the day Randy got on snack pack. Yeah. He was standing over there, and Randy had to use my boots and spurs. And uh, so they were sitting there. Well, I look over, and Jagger had put my put them on. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to get on him. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I said, all right. I wanted to see what he was going to do, you know, in the shoot. So I run him back in loaded him. I put the bull rope on him. I said, all right. And I, Tyler Taylor was there. I was like, Tyler, you get a hold of him because I still have my neck brace on and stuff. I said, I don't want to, you know. I said, you hold him. He said, all right. Sets him down in there, and this son of a gun, just just like he'd been doing it his whole life, takes his wrap by himself. And it was funny because he took his wrap, and I mean straight through the pinky. Yeah. Just buries it. Tyler's like, oh, man, just buries it deep in the pinky. He said, just like Dad. And I, he was on there, and I said, hey, you better get your feet in front of your rope. He just pushes his hand and picks his legs up, holds the bucket chute, sets him in front of his rope, just sets right up on him. That old newly went to rolling around in there. He just slaps him. <laughs> and I said, well, you tell him now. Let's go, boys. And I said, all right, get up out of there. And somebody said, man, he's he, there's no backup. I said, none. No. Like, it does not matter what I load. Like, he thinks he can ride every one of them. And if I tell him, hey, you can get on him, he'll be headed that way. Yeah. I – and I mean, it kind of scares me because, which I'm always around him right now, but, yeah. you know, when he gets a little older, I don't, you know, sneaking off. But, I mean, he, if he wants to ride bulls, he'll have plenty of bulls to get on. I'll make sure of that. But, you know, and I've got him. He's went with me enough, and I've worked bulls enough, just me and him around there. He knows. Stay where I tell him to stay. You know, if there's a bunch of people around and everybody's talking, he'll just kind of run around them bucking shoes. But if it's just me and him, I'm like, hey, you stand right there and do not move. Yeah. Stands right yeah. there. Yes, sir. Yeah, he, he'll he'll listen to you. Mm-hmm. He he is a natural on an animal. 
he's he's just he's got that whatever that is that connection with the animal how do you feel about watching him have a career like yours I mean, that's up to him. That's what everybody always, oh, he's the next bull rider, next bull rider. And I said, I don't care what he does. You know, that, that's going to be up to him. It, it's the way he's raised and what he's around, it's going to be something to do with rodeo, whether roping or riding horses or riding bulls. He loves it. But that's his decision. Mm-hmm. You know, I was never, it was always told to me that they, if I don't want to go, all I had to do was say, I'm done. I don't want to go anymore. It was never pushed on me. But I was never made to do it. Mm-hmm. and that's what I'm going to do with him. I'll let him choose his own path, and if he wants to ride bulls, I'll be there 100%. If he wants to team rope, I'll be there 100%. Whatever he does, as long as he does it to the fullest and 110% try, I don't care what he does. makes no difference to me. Yeah. And, that, I mean, you know, I can't say I wouldn't – I don't know. It's A lot of guys that ride bulls for a living say, oh, I don't want my kid to ride bulls. Yeah. You know, but – Riding bulls has got me everything I have. Yeah. So yeah. How do you tell yeah. them? How do you tell them that you built your whole life, your career, you raised I mean, your family with it? Yeah. How do you every, tell them? I mean, I'd have never met if I wasn't a rode bulls. I'd have never met Samantha. You know, her dad was uh, inducted into the Ring of Honor in yep. the PBR, and that's where I met her. Uh, my whole place come from riding bulls. You know, winning, being able to build all that, and you know, that's what. Yeah, I'm beat up. I'm probably a lot more crippled than most 36 year old people are, but I still get around pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, I was listening to somebody say something like about that, you know, their dad being crippled and old and, you know, talking about it being from rodeo. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, I bet they don't regret it. Like not a day of it, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. Again, going back, cause it's not like you did it for the money anyway. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you know the risk. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's part of it. That's why I always say you play the game, you take the pain. And that's why I always, if if I could get up and walk, I was getting on. Like, whether something was broke or not, I always had it in my head that, you know, it was kind of a pride deal to me. Like, I wanted to prove to myself and everyone, I mean, that you know, that it didn't matter how beat up or crippled I was, I could still ride them. I could mm-hmm. put it out of my mind for eight seconds and still do it. I saw Randy at the run for a million in uh, August and I hadn't talked to you in a couple months. And I was like, how's JB? And he's like, Oh, he's good. He's doing good. He said his legs broke, but he's doing good. And I knew exactly what he meant, you know, like, well, it hangs down. So (laughs) yeah, I actually, I didn't even know it was broke. Uh, (laughs) Big old bull of Butler stepped on me at Grayley, a big one. And I mean, stepped right on it. He stepped down towards my ankle on my left leg. Well, when they x-rayed it Greeley, they didn't x-ray it high enough. So I just kept right on getting it going. Yeah. And, I mean, this thing was sore and swole up and limping around. Hell, I, I was 90 at Vernal. And yeah. we went somewhere in Colorado after that, and I was sitting there in Shad Smith. It holds a lot of bulls for uh, Chase and Binion and them. We were sitting there drinking coffee one morning. I had shorts on. And he's looking at my leg, and he's like, you had that leg checked out? I was like, no. He said, doesn't look very good. I said, doesn't feel very good. He said, is it hot? I said, I don't know. I don't have very good feeling in my hands. Like, I can't really tell. And he leaned over and put his hand on it. He said, you might want to go to the doctor. That was some bitch was infected. Ooh. And 
where he stepped on me down towards my ankle, it just peeled hide off the size of a nickel. You know, it wasn't even big, and I, but I guess it got infected that way. Well, went in there. They said, oh, yes, yeah, infected. We'll put you on antibiotics. I said, all right. And they said, we're going to x-ray it. I said, well, they x-rayed it when it happened in Greeley. Well, we're going to re-x-ray it. Whatever. They x-rayed it from my knee down, and my fibula was snapped in half Dang. about five inches below my knee. How long? Uh, it was two or three weeks I'd been going. And that, uh, I guess what they said, we see it a lot. You know, he stepped on me down by my ankle. So when he stepped on me, it snapped up high. Yeah. And, oh. and we left right after that and went to Calgary. Like I had a walking boot on at Calgary. I only wore it a couple of days. It made it easier to walk around, but it was aggravating as hell. So I just, I threw it in the truck or yeah. in the side box on the RV. And, uh, we got somewhere. I can't remember where I went. And my left, like I had that walking boot. Well, they were messing with my right ankle after I hung up and blew a stone. Man, they, I mean, it was swelled up bad. And they were like, well, that, he's like, I think it's broke. You need to go get some x-rays. So I was like, no. He said, why? I said, well, I'm not going to let them cast it. I mean, I'm going to keep riding. So what's the point even getting an x-ray? Well, just a no. I was like, it'll heal eventually. He said, probably not the way you want it. I was like, oh, that'll just fit right in with the rest of me. And... <laughs> The lady in the sports medicine trailer, she's like, do you still have that other walking boot? I said, yes, ma'am. It's in the RV. She said, just put it on the other leg. <laughs> so I just swapped it and wore it. Yeah, I'd be willing to bet you don't have a straight bone in your body. Not very many. But you know they say when they heal, they're stronger. Yeah, right? that's horseshit. No. <laughs> I don't hey, if they heal correctly. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, most of mine are probably healed like this. Man. Instead of like that. It's like for years, I was like, my collarbone, I thought, healed correctly. And then Tandy went to uh, – he put, I had put both my fists up like this right here because this collarbone had broken and this – we called it the quack shack at uh, A&M. That doctor was like, oh, yeah, it's fine. But for years I went and – Y'all going to talk for a minute? Come yeah, go, go ahead and go to the bathroom. And uh, put, put my – put my hands up like this and he went to push down on both of them. And this right one just caved down. <laughs> it had been like that for years, like riding and like on Bronx, I'm right-handed. Is that, is that how you broke it initially? Riding? Yeah. So I broke it in New Braunfels on a bull stepped on me. How then, old were you? I don't know. I mean, it was maybe 12 years ago, 13, 14 years ago. So were you still, cause that, that's, you know, you know, and, Men, that that is the it was 2010 it was 2010 that's why the men you know grown men their shoulders get bigger that's the last thing that happens because that's still growing but that's why they break so many collarbones in high school football and stuff no i wasn't in high school yeah yeah um but uh yeah so re-broke it three weeks later that's the most pain i think i've been in and then broke it again in uh, a couple summers ago, and then I remember that he was and Tandy was like, "It should heal." Year later, didn't heal. I know you sent me that X-ray. It was like the bones weren't touching. No, there was like this much space. Yeah, it's like half an inch between my. Like, that's supposed to be one bone, right? Yeah, you got two. So anyways, they're not, they're not connected. He's like, "Yeah, let's have surgery," and then I come out of surgery, and that was the most pain I'd been in. I don't know if it wasn't enough. That nurse wasn't feeding me enough morphine or whatever. But that was the most pain I'd been in coming out of that surgery. So like now, you can ask for more. 
I'll go tonight to Dallas and I'll have shoulder surgery tomorrow morning. Yeah. And, uh, he said, uh, you're going to want to stay the night after because you'll be in a lot of pain. And I'm sitting here thinking like, well, you didn't say nothing about the pain I was in with the collarbone. And I know how much that hurt. Yeah. So yeah. What are they doing to your shoulder? He's going to graph a bone and put it on the front of that little, uh, socket. And screw that bone in there. Because I guess when my shoulder keeps coming out the front, it's come out five times, and it's breaking mm-hmm. off that bone. So essentially, like, it's gonna, it's getting to where it starts falling out. Like, the last time it came out, I was trying to turn a horse to the right. And he was running off with me, so I kind of jerked around to the right, and my shoulder just rolled out. And so I was horseback running. And uh, he was like, yeah, it's about to start coming out in your sleep, and... Mm-hmm. If we don't put it back in, you'll be shoulder surgery soon. Oh, we've been there. Is it painful though? Like coming out of it, like that, ne- like you wake up. The, the first one I had, yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Really? Did Horrible. they? Did Horrible. they put the pain block in? Because I had the nerve block. Yes. Yeah, mine didn't work. Oh hell! See, I told him <laughs> I've had four in the last few years, and I had the nerve block. My whole face went numb. I couldn't feel my hand. I'm like, yeah. I'll ride this out for three days. Yeah, that's I'll what just, they, that's I'll what just they, lay here on one side, <laughs> he not was, feeling anything. Because when I had my shoulder surgery, when I tore it up at Calgary, like the skin was the only thing holding my arm on. Mm-hmm. Like he was explaining how bad it was going to be and everything, the physical therapy, all this. and They had to reattach everything. Yeah. yeah. There's a screw and 13 anchors in it. Yep. And he would, you know, they take me in the morning and they put that shot in your neck, you know, this is a nerve block when you wake up. Don't freak out. It'll be like you don't even have an arm for right. 24 hours. I'm like, perfect. I don't want to feel this. Right. I woke up. I immediately felt it. I yeah. was like, holy crap. Well, Samantha's sitting in there, and I just kept wiggling around. She's like, what's wrong? I was like, I just can't get comfortable. I was like, I'm not a puss. They told me I couldn't feel this thing. Yeah. So I didn't say anything. Well, Tandy finally walks in and comes in there to check on me, and he's like, hey, Avery. Well, I, mean, I was like, this son of a gun hurts. He yeah. said, what? I was like, it hurts bad. He said, where were your fingers? And I went, <laughs> he said, you're not supposed to be able to do right. that. He goes, oh, the nerve block didn't work. Right. He said, let me go get you some pain medication. I said, I would greatly appreciate it. You talk about hurt. Good Dang. Lord. Yeah. Because the, the second surgery wasn't near as bad, though. They can't do anything after the fact. I mean, that no. that they've got to stop that before it starts. Yeah. Yeah. That's the point. They said something about nicotine or something probably had to do with the nerve block not working what? or something. I don't know. Crap. I'm as clean but, as a preacher's sheets. What are you talking about? <laughs> that's probably what's wrong with my shoulder. It made me quit smoking. Probably well, didn't heal right. Yeah, the the last podcast I did with Marcus Luttrell, he was talking about injuries and whatnot, and he was saying that, like, um, listening to you talk about all all – that you've been going through. He was like, all these injuries are God's way of telling you this is a young man's sport and it's about your time to stop, you know? And uh, it made me think about that conversation you were talking about having with Randy. But looking back, when you made the switch from PBR to PRCA, who are some of the people that you – started to run with and like you're like you found yourself like man i got these new friends like that maybe like now you still got for instance kai like who yeah. are some of those guys that you're like oh that's cool that you know switching over here to the prca well i knew a lot of them you know from like calgary and things like that but 
you know, it, Kyle was one of them, Stetson, you know, and that that was a, that was a thing like when me and Brian and Casey we cracked out and started going to PBRs. Pee Wee, Brian Herman, Tater Porter, they got in with us that summer and went on the summer run. And I couldn't figure it out. I was like, man, these guys are like, you know, they're in their 30s. We're 20, mm-hmm. you know. What are they going with us for? But like Tater told me, he said, the way you guys crave it and act makes us feel younger. Sure. And so being around Kai and Stetson, it made me feel like I was younger than I really was, you know. Mm-hmm. And just being around them and, like, Kai coming to the house and getting on practice bullets, you could tell, like, I would show up, and you didn't have to ask that song I'm going to get on bullets. He's like, hey, can we buck bullets today? Yep. Yeah. You know, he just craved it. And being around that, I mean, that was one thing I was always taught when I was younger. You're only as good as the guys you travel with. Mm. Yeah. You know, so, and you travel with good guys. Right. And that, that was the rule of thumb, like, I didn't let just anybody jump in with me. Like, mm-hmm. it, you know, if you rode good, perfect. But if you had a negative attitude, you can go with me. Yeah. Because right. everybody in the truck had the same goal when you went with me, and that was stay on and win and mm-hmm. have fun doing it. And, you know, that was kind of the same deal when we started rodeo and I had Samantha and Jagger with me. But, you know, the PBR was like that when I first started going to it. It was fun, you know. When the, when the, I'm not just saying because they had bear in the locker room, but, you know, when the, the bull riding was over with, everybody would hang out in the locker room because they had, you know, bear in there. So we'd hang out, chill out, and everybody hung out together. Well, then the longer the bull ridings went on, it kind of got away from that. Like nobody really hung out anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, there was they took the bear out of the locker room, things like that. Well, it was like you fly in, you go to the event, you go home. That was it. There was no hanging out. There was – like Flint always explained it, there was no campfires. Mm-hmm. You know, just sit around and bullshit and just have a good time. Yeah. There was none of that anymore. And, you know, I was kind of getting burnt out doing the same thing, seeing, you know, everybody said, well, where's your, before I started going to rodeos, I said, well, what's your favorite place? I said, they all look the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you, every weekend you were going to an indoor event. The setup was the same. The arena might be a little smaller, maybe a little bigger, but it was the same. You were inside, and like I had 15 years of doing it, I needed a change finally. Like I just, I it got to where it was a job to me and not fun anymore. And I always told Samantha, I said, the day it turns into a job is the day I'm done. Mm-hmm. You know, if, because you know you do this for fun. You do it because you love it. It's not a job. And it, it was like a, I was didn't want to be there. Didn't and it just wasn't fun anymore for me. And yeah, so I said, hell, I'm gonna buy my. PRCA stuff back and go rodeo. We bought an RV, and, boy, that was the most fun I had in a long time. Yeah. You know, because you go, is in that RV. And, I mean, you know, sometimes we'd go one place and have to leave and go. But if, you know, Cheyenne, take the RV, set it up. Everybody, when it's over with, everybody hangs out. You sit around, right. drink beer, and talk, and have a good time. And that's what I, I wanted Jagger to see. You know, yep. he got to hang out and got to hang around badass people, you know, and it was just, it was cool. It was fun. Yeah. Mm. I took a, this next rodeo time episode that's coming out is uh, Ty and Carson. Ty's getting on bulls. Carson's getting on Bronx and they're going to their first rodeos. And uh, it was in October. And so the first one we went to was Brian. And I love that arena. I love that community. Um, I've been on a lot of bulls and horses in the Brian Expo. 
um, or Brazos County, whatever it is, and great facility. And that was their first rodeo. Well, the second night we went to Rockdale, and there's it's a huge, you know, fair, and you got to drive through the fair, and then you know, con- contestant parking's kind of mixed in with the whole crowd, and then you walk through the crowd, and you get over here, and when you're all standing on the back of the buck and shoot, you can see the Ferris wheel, and you can see, you can kind of see the livestock show over there because it's their, you know, the whole deal. And um, we're standing back there with Carson. I was like, hey, well. Now you can officially say this ain't my first rodeo. <laughs> and uh, I was like, what do you think? And he was like, this is what I've dreamt of as a kid. You know, was like, he said, last night was fun and I love it. And when it's raining and cold, those buildings are super convenient. Yeah. But right now, standing on the back of these chutes, this feels like America. You know, it feels like rodeo, feels like cowboy, and this is what I envisioned. And, uh, you know, when you I, – I can imagine I, I haven't spent much time in – PBR arenas, but like going to these little rodeos, like you just think of all these little ones that it's just like you pull up and you just feel like, man, what's really cool is when you can get like Coleman, Texas, you know, where it's like Stay Smith puts it on. So, you know, Jason Bottoms and Sean Calhoun are picking up or Clint Hale. So you've got like NFR quality pickup men and, and, the same caliber bullfighters and then the same caliber horses and Bronx, but everything else is what I just described, yeah. you know? And so like you and the get the whole that, town comes out, the whole town comes out and you don't know where they come from, especially in something like Coleman. Yeah. Where'd all these people come from? Right. And, uh, anyhow, um, like that, that's, that's something I've always just like, and, and explaining it to Joe Rogan, you know, you're standing on the back of the shoots and they start playing the national anthem. He's like, man, I just don't understand why people, it's just like, that's the epitome of freedom. You know, you get to go where you want, you get to, you get to rodeo how you want. And every night's a party and you're that hangout, that campfire feeling like what you talked about. Yep. And occasionally a song will come along that kind of captures it. Emerald by morning, Cody Johnson's only life. I know my brother had that song. If I don't call has that song and you know, they they kind of communicate it, but you really can't even until you're standing behind the shoots. Yep. Yeah. That's that's what when I decided to make the change, which I, I had my PRCA card in '09. Yeah. So it'd been 11 years since I'd had one. Right. And you know I bought it back, but I needed pretty much a change of scenery. Yeah. That's all it was. I was getting burnt out doing the same thing every weekend, flying in, flying out, just got tired of flying i hated going in the airport i hated all that and i was like i gotta do something different well you went to 15 world finals yeah. in a row that's a decade and a half that's not just a decade add another half decade <laughs> you know i'm gonna check the math on that like so <laughs> it's not like you went to two or three years and then decided that you were done like it's yeah. 15 and a half and another, like another one of my uh, goal was I always wanted to make the NFR. Yeah. Because growing up, I didn't strictly just watch the PBR. You know, I, I watched rodeos also. Because in high school, I worked multiple events a couple years of high school rodeo. So I was more used to going to rodeos than just strictly bull riding. And, you know, right before me and Brian turned 18, we asked Jerome, hey, where do you think we ought to go? Should we buy our... PBR permits or PRCA permits? He said, you want to make a living riding bulls? Yeah, go to the PBR. So that's where we went. Yeah. 
you know, back then, it was, I'd get on 10 bulls a day when I was at home. You know, Brian and I, before we turned 18, we got on seven days a week and twice on Sunday. You yeah. Know, we, every day of our lives, we got on bulls. And, you know, I'd, 2006, seven, and eight, you know, I'd been going just strictly PBRs and stuff. And I would enter open bull runs when I was at home and things like that. Well, then, oh, nine, I decided I didn't ask anybody, didn't tell anybody. I just decided I was going to buy my PRSA permit. Didn't have a clue how to enter, nothing. Never asked anybody. Went to Fort Worth with my first rodeo, was winning it going into the short round, and was at a PBR and couldn't make it back to the short round. But that's how I started. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I, and I was, I only actually went during the weeks because I was always at bull ridings on yeah. the weekends. You know, I won, shit, I won Lufkin, I won Corpus Christi, I won a bunch of them rodeos that just that summer. And uh, the last one I went to in 09 was uh, – a thousand added circuit rodeo with David Bailey's in Poto, Oklahoma. We Damn. were in, we were in Freedom at Jerry's rodeo. Yeah, I was ninety there, and then Nashville was Saturday Sunday. I was in Freedom on Thursday night, so I had to go to Nashville, Tennessee, and I was like, "Shit, Poto's on the way. I'll just enter it." Thousand added circuit rodeo. I get hooked, wrecked out, <laughs> stomped. Like I mean, <laughs> bad. Yeah. And uh, Bull stomped the crap out of me. And Scotty Fritz, he worked for David Bailey. He gets up, and they always called me Tar Baby. The first time they met me from being from North Carolina, but the first time they ever met me, uh, I had a black bull at Fort Worth of David's called Tar Baby. Uh-huh. So that's what they always called me, Tar Baby. And uh, I got up, and Fritz, he's the one that drove me out from under this mean son of a gun. He said, you all right, Tar Baby? I said, you know, I said, this shit don't hurt near as bad when you make the whistle. <laughs> I was bleeding. Come, come find out it broke my damn collarbone. He stepped on me when he jumped across the top of me right there. Well, I got to Nashville, and he's like, oh, yeah. So I got to ride for I don't know how long, and the brace that pulled my arm, you know. Yeah. Casey, that was his deal. Casey Hayes wore the face mask. Yep. So I was always the one that strapped his face mask on. Well, for a while, he was the one that had to strap my collarbone deal. I'd take my shirt off, put it on. He'd strap it in the middle, and I'd put my shirt. So back you on. got on in Nashville that next oh, day. Yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. Um. So you started with rodeos, little stint in '09, came back to rodeos, and then at the end of your career, finished with rodeos. Yeah. So what do you think Jagger will do? I mean, whatever he wants. Yeah, he said that. That's what he. Uh, I bought my card back in 2010. Was gonna try to do the same thing. I always wanted to make both finals in the same year. Mm. And man, I was, I wasn't. They were stacking me on top of bull ridings everywhere I entered, mm. and I just got tired of messing with it. So I just said, "Heck with it." I yeah. didn't go back to them. And then, you know, I'd see them guys at Calgary and stuff get to go there at Calgary and. You know, Cheyenne, when the PBR was there, we'd go hang out at the rodeo and stuff like that. And, you know, by the time I was done in the PBR, none of the original guys I rode bulls with were still even riding. So, yeah. you know, it was all a couple of, you know, Savannah and them were there, but uh, the locker room had changed. Like, it was totally different atmosphere, and I just wasn't having any fun. So I decided mm. I want to go rodeo. And yeah. whatever he wants to do, yeah, that's Dude. up to him. That's his decision reach that point you're you're that guy at the club who's a little t- 
too old to be at the club. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hanging out in the corner. <laughs> also, like, again, a decade and a half, 15 years. So if you were to talk to Jerome, his advice may be a little different. Because if you look at guys like, for instance, Stetson, mm-hmm. obviously he had, you know, the bronc riding helping him with that, but, you know, had almost a million dollars last year. Yeah. You know, or, or was it the year before? I can't remember now. But so maybe Jerome's advice is just a little different 15 years later. Well, now 17, 18 years later. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, yeah, it would be 18 because you're yeah. 36. But, uh, I mean, I'm not saying – at all like forget about the pbr and i'm not trying to say that i'm just saying like there's also a lot of big rodeos where well the know, way they have it set up now you can you can about go to both yeah you know because half the year's the regular season oh right, yeah PBRs, the team deal they yep, switched and then it. the other half's the team deals so you could technically you could you know go rodeo and go to the team deals also mm-hmm. you rodeo during the week then go to the team deals on the weekends or whatever but so think about when you were starting out with the crew that you were with, what what would thirty six year old JB tell these guys? What would you tell them? Maybe not spend as much money. <laughs> well, hang on, maybe not blow as much money because <laughs> we live like there was no tomorrow. Like it, whenever you won, you just yeah. Oh man, hell! I showed up one time and. One bull ride, and I bought a brand new pickup decked out. I can't remember how much I paid for it, but I mean, it was Western hauler bed. Just and then I come home on the bull riding one weekend and come pulling back in the house and had a dirt bike and a dune buggy on the trailer, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and uh, Brian was the same way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was bad when we were getting a bar because just like riding bulls, we tried to outdo each other. <laughs> so <laughs> if I ordered a tray of Jaeger bombs, Brian had to order a tray of Jaeger bombs. Well, then I was going to order another tray of Jaeger bombs. Well, then so was he going to order another tray of Jaeger bombs. And then we didn't know what happened the rest of the night. But we were broke when we woke up. <laughs> but I don't I wouldn't change anything. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I probably would have wouldn't have blew so much. And, yeah. But. I mean, hell, you ride bulls for a living, there is no tomorrow. You got a plan for today. You can't take it with you when you're done either. No, but right. now, I've never seen a hearse with a luggage rack. <laughs> um, so, like, trying to explain some of these guys come in here and, like, I see some, some guys get on bulls and I've had one intern that, you know, I just so hard on themselves. After coming back from a buck off. Mentally. Yeah, yeah. just so hard on themselves. And, yeah, you need to want to win. But there's some some balance to, like, once you get on this next bull, if you take that previous loss with you too much, you're just going to – It just rolls over. Yeah. It took me a long long time to figure it out, though, too. Because JB's worst enemy was JB. Right. You know, it's all above your shoulders. And – uh I used to be real bad. I'd get so mad at myself, you know, for getting and, – and not necessarily if I got bucked off, if I felt like I didn't try as hard as I should have. Mm-hmm. Like if I, if I quit the ship just a little early, mm-hmm. that's when you seen me get real mad because yeah. it would eat at me because I prided myself on I tied my hand in there where I meant for it to be there. And if I turned my head 
and thought I took the easy route out instead of just taking a slamming like I should have, mm-hmm. that's what ate at me. Yeah. And and I would let it, I would get so mad at myself, and then it would snowball. It would show up my next ride because you're, you're tight. You're just trying too hard. Yeah. You know, you're not. And it took me quite a few years to figure that out to where if I, you know, I get bucked off or whatever, yeah, I was mad. But when I left that locker room, didn't matter. Yeah. Nobody gave a shit. You know, Mars a new day. Nobody gives a crap what happened yesterday. So once I started learning that and got that way, I hardly ever got in slumps, you know, because I didn't let it roll over. It didn't snowball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, that that was the hardest thing for me was keeping my head out of my way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we got a rule at the on the beaches. If you double grab or look off, you don't get to get on another one that day. Like you gotta, you gotta live with it till the next practice. And it happened the other day. It, it's been a while since it happened, but this last practice, there was one kid, and he knew. And I, I asked him, he knew what I was gonna say, but I was like, "Hey, you want another one?" And he knew I was just setting him up. And he was like, "I guess if you'll give," me. I said, "Nope, you cannot <laughs> double grab." It was, you know, and I was like, "You can't look off." And we got video now. And when that cowboy hat yeah. does that little turn, yeah. like. It's like, because you're not here today. If you didn't show up and you're not here, like if you, if you don't want to fight and try today, then come back tomorrow. Go think about it, you know, like a putting a kid in timeout or something. Like, go think yep. about it because I don't know. Like, I mean, it's either all in or you're all out. There's yeah. no in-between in this sport. Right. So, so did you get to the point, you know, we, we all watch you – We've watched you in your process, you know, that last cigarette and then you, the hat's on and you, you've got the look like you can't see anything but that bowl. You can see it in the TV camera and you're ready. So you, what did it take for you to get there where you're, you're in that preparation and you're, it's all just you and the bowl? Repetition. Mm. You know, you do it, you do the same thing every single time. When I laid my gear back down, I took everything out the same way uh-huh. every single time. When I put it back in there after I was done, I put it back in my bag the same way every single time. When I crawled in the buck and shoot, I got on every bull the same way every single time. And, you know, once you do it enough, it's just – and bull riding's a lot to do with muscle memory and repetition. Mm-hmm. You do it enough, your body just starts doing it. it it's just an automatic reaction. You don't have to think about it. Because if you think riding bulls, you're usually getting off the ground. You're in it, mm-hmm. you know. And, like, you know, today I'm going to get him on the drop barrel to show him a few things. And then that, that's that's how you ride it every single time, repetition. Well, then when he goes to get on a bull, and he, if he does it enough on this, then it'll just it'll be instinct. It'll be automatic. You know, like sometimes you know while they're riding i'll holler at them and stuff but i I try not to tell them a whole lot before they get on because then they're thinking Mm -hmm. well i need to do this i need to do that once you crawl off in that buck and shoot you better not be thinking about anything it all just has to you know come Mm -hmm. that's why i wait till he's done and then i come over there and i tell him you know keep driving them hips keep them up under you you know things like that because you don't want to put too much in their head before they're getting on because then that's what they're thinking about yeah and you just you do it enough it's all repetition and then once you once you get there like 
everybody knew, like, you can kind of tell when I would get in my zone. Like, yeah. you know, I'd be on the back of the box, you goofing off, jacking around, talking shit to everybody. And then, but when it was certain time, like, I, you could just look at me and tell, all right, I probably need, don't need to talk to him now. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was just, I got in the zone and, you know, I, I, I was always like that. Like, I could sit here and talk just like this, and they'd be like, Jabby, you're next, and then I could click it on. That was go time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man. That comes from getting on thousands and thousands of bulls. But you didn't – did you plan that? Did you know that not, was coming? Not really. I mean, it's just what I got used to. Yeah. You know. Like I, I, you could control all those things in the rigging bag. You get in the shoot. You can control those. Yep. You can't control the bull. So I've heard other other riders talk about it. You so, just get in that process where you're like, okay, I've I've got my my stuff down. Yeah. Now it's just the bull's turn. I think it's I was we were driving down the road. We left your house the other day. I was talking to Ty. Because I can think of one there's one guy in particular. Does not work out. And has never, he said he's been on two practice bulls ever. But he'd been in the NFR five or six times. Not won a world title, but been in the NFR five, six times. Um, so he doesn't do either one. There's a lot of guys that will work out and maybe not get on practice bulls, maybe a little here and there. And then you've come from the school of you get on a lot, a lot of practice bulls. Even at the end of your career, you know, mm-hmm. like one of my yep. most viewed videos on YouTube is you getting on a practice bull like right before your fifteenth world finals. And um, anyways, I think there's I, th- I think I would categorize people's mindset of what to do outside of the arena in those three buckets: practice bulls, work out in practice bulls, and then nothing. And I told I told these guys like I was like nothing will. Re- I think that nothing will um, replace getting on bulls. There's no, there's no, there's no, you can work out a lot. You can be the strongest man in the world, but like nothing's going to replace getting on Bronx, getting on bulls. But for every bull you got on at a bull riding, how many practice bulls do you think you got on for every one of those? Oh, probably times 10. Yeah. yeah. At least. I mean, you know, even when I did, yeah, that, that's what you can't be satisfied. Mm-hmm. If I was 90, 92, road bruiser, I went home and broke down that ride from jump to jump and figured out what I should have been doing better. Uh-huh. And then I got on bulls. Yeah. You know, when you get break a leg or something, yeah, you might want to slack. I mean, there was times I've got on practice bulls with broke, I broke ankles and things like that. I just put lace-ups on and got on. And half the time I'd get on tennis shoes, you know, yeah, make me move and stuff like that. But – it, it's just like any other sport. Like I, I, there are some guys that are the opposite side of the coin that don't have to, that don't get on practice. Stetson don't get on practice bulls hardly. Yeah, not very many. Right. And like I'm pretty sure he's he hasn't ever been on at my house. Really. You know when Kyle was getting on all those bulls, I don't think he ever got on. He's like I don't really get on practice bulls. Well, that works for him. What I mean, whatever. And that's what I've told people. I said you don't have to do it like I do it. Yeah. One, you have to work at it, and you better be studying it every day. I said, but whatever works for you is what you stick with. Yeah. 
if you go to the gym that day and then you go to a bull riding that night and you win the bull riding and you've got it in your head that, well, I need to go to the gym every day before I go to the bull riding, then that's what you do. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I'm telling them not to work out or work out or not to get on practice bulls or get on practice bulls. You do what works for you. Yeah. You know, and I can understand, guys, well, the practice pen, you know, you get hurt. Well, yeah, there's a chance. Every time you nod your head, there's a chance. But what does a baseball player do? Yeah. Practices baseball. Plays yeah. every mean, day. You, you, If you don't want to get on practice bulls, fine, but you still got to work at it. You right. Know? And – I was the type that I got on bulls every chance I could. One, because I wanted to get better and I wanted to be the best. And two, because I loved getting on bulls. Yeah. Like I, I didn't have to have a reason to get on bulls. Like it, it hey, you want to bust bulls today? Yep. Let's go. You know, like we went and loaded them. And if we didn't, we were looking for somebody that was bucking bulls. You also, you study animals, yeah. you remember. I, it's remarkable, and I brought this up in one of our first podcasts when you brought JP. As long as I've known you, you you remember details oh, yeah. of all the animals. And I I know I've talked to Chad Berger about this too, and he's, you know, he's Chad Berger, and he can tell you everything about his bulls. Yeah. When they eat, how they eat, how they move, how they get in and out of the trailer. And you do that. Oh, yeah. That's why when I when I buck them young bulls, if you if you it looks like I'm watching them buck, I'm not. I'm watching their feet, and then I'll go back and watch videos. That's why I usually got somebody around their video and so I can watch the videos back. Because mm-hmm. you know when you first buck, start bucking them young bulls, you don't know what side to put them on. I yep. start every bull on the left because rule of thumb is most bulls are naturally left leaded, and. So I always start them on the left, but I'm watching what foot. And some of them that go out there two or three and then turn back, it's because they're trying to swap leads. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'll, I'll – just like riding bulls, when I slow it down, watch it jump from jump, I do that with them young bulls, see which foot they're hitting Yeah, first. And, it, I mean, it's not 100% accurate. It don't work 100% of the time, you right. know. But, like, there's been bulls, you know, you watch, and they'll go three before they turn back. It's because – it took them three jumps to get swapped from the left lead to the right lead. Well, I swap them, put them on the right, and hell, they turn back right and gave you the right. You know, you just you got to figure them out. You what? And it don't always work, but that's it. It has quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and going well, back your to, your odds are getting better every time. Yeah, because you remember more details. Well, Samantha, like I was hurt one time and couldn't. I can't remember what was wrong with me. Well, she had to help me feed, <laughs> and and which yeah, she loves to do. Yeah, oh, not the bulls. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, the way I've got it set up, you got to go in there with all of them. And I did that on purpose. You know, a lot of people have it where you drive down the side of the alley, you yeah. know, and dump the feed in a trough and they stick their head through and eat it. I didn't want it like that. I wanted it where you had to open the gate, go in there with them. And because the only way to calm them down is to be around them. Yeah. And so I was like, you're on feed. I can't remember what was wrong. Maybe I had, I don't know what I'd done, but I couldn't pick those feed buckets up. And, it was uh, her and Jagger, and I was in the side-by-side. And, I mean, I'd pull right in there, you know, in one of them traps, and there's four or five bulls in there. And, yeah. you know, they know it's feed time, and they'll walk right up beside you. Yeah. And she's like, I don't like this. They're- she's like, what, what do I do? And I was like, 
act like you're not paying attention, but pay attention. She's like, what does that mean? I was like, <laughs> that's the thing. Just, you gotta, you gotta be, I call it being bull savvy. Yeah. Like you just gotta, be cool, act, you gotta act like just be chill, act like you're not paying them any attention, but you always watch them out of the corner of your eye. Like right now I'm looking at Dale, <laughs> you know, you always, you, you know, cause you can't trust them. Some of the guys, yeah, they get no. gentle when you feed them, but still, one of them has a bad day and smokes your ass when you're not looking. Right. And so I said, you got to pay attention, but don't let them know you're paying attention. She's like, I yeah. don't like this. Find somebody else to help you. Yeah, because Predator will stare at them. So don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think going back to the practice deal, like one thing too, for instance, our program, I get a lot of guys in here. They've been on like five or ten or zero mostly. Most of the time right. it's zero. And so talking about practice pin, like there's also a level of bulls a guy needs to get on in the beginning. Oh, yeah. It's just like, man, you are going to go broke if all you do is enter. And so, like, I, I would like these guys. Like, if you're asking my advice, you know, I want you to get on 50, 60 you know, head of stock before you enter, if not more, maybe. Now, the other thing to consider is some of them are coming in here, they're 22, 23, so it's like, all right, late. let's go ahead and start. Let's, yeah, let's yeah. start entering at, you've been on 35 head, well, let's start entering. You know what? Well, yeah. well, if you're 17, you know, it's not as important that you, you know, maybe take a little time to get on 100 bulls before you go enter the big pen because, you know, there's just a level of, Regardless, I feel like you didn't have to tell yourself it's time to go to the next level of bull. No, I got on, like, I had some pretty honky practice bulls. Mm. And a lot of people, like, I would haul them open bull riding around North Carolina and stuff and buck them. And they're like, man, you haul these bulls to PBR? I'm like, no. What do you do with them? I said, they're my practice bulls. This is what you get on for practice? Yeah. Yeah. Man, they buck. I said, well, you think I'm going to go get on an 18-pointer this weekend? Yeah. You know, and that was why I always, I think that was part of the reason why I always had a hard time with bulls that were just nice. Yeah. Because even at home, I was getting on some pretty bucky summer guns in the practice pen. And if, you know, then when I was getting on, if they didn't fire and buck, you know, it was kind of like I was just sitting up there just twiddling my thumbs, waiting on them to buck, you know. And right. Get bucked off. and But, you know, I – I moved up every time. Like, I started riding sheep when I was three, but I moved up always a year earlier than I was supposed to. Mm-hmm. And I think I was five when I started getting on calves. I got seven or eight when I started getting on steers. can't remember how old I was when I got on junior bulls. And then I was 13 when I started getting on big bulls. Yeah. And I'd go to open bull riding, anything. And then when I started gathering up practice bulls, they bucked, you know, it, I didn't go by like there was a guy there. I had, I mean, it was set up perfect for anybody to ride bulls where I lived then. You know, it's kind of died off about like everywhere else. Like, you know, back then you could dang near go to an open bull riding almost every night of the week and never go past four hours from my house. Mm-hmm. And so there was a guy that hauled bulls to, you know, the high school rodeos that had some, jam up sure enough good practice bulls to get on so i could have mine at the house if i needed to slow things down i could go to his house and get on you know and a lot of times you need to slow things down yeah you know because 
just like that, that was my problem. I was going 9-0 all the time, all yeah. the time. Well, then I'd get on one that was a 20-point spinner, and I'm going, I'm wanting to be 94. <laughs> He's only wanting to be 84. Yeah. It don't match up too good. So I'd have to go home. I'd put my tennis shoes on, and I'd get him to run three-year-olds in. He'd never bucked and get on them just to make me slow down, track what I was getting on, and ride jump for jump. You know, a lot of guys won't get on calves now because they're shoot fighting. They, you know, they're bad in there. You don't know what they're going to do. Well, that's what I grew up getting on. Mm-hmm. And that's one reason I was so fast in a bucking shoot. You get flipped on enough times, you'll quit doing that shit taking that long. <laughs> yeah. mean, you get smashed <laughs> in the back of that box and you have nowhere to go and I'm claustrophobic. I like that. Yeah. And, but, you know, you get on something, you absolutely have no idea what he's going to do. Right. You have to ride him jump for jump. Yeah. That slows everything back down, takes you back to doing the basics. And, you know, I'd do that, but then also I had those bulls at the house where we could run the heat in there and I could get on those too. Mm. What, uh, you made a post a couple months back. I think it was in the spring where you were kind of, Maybe venting, calling oh, out yeah. bull riders. Dogging them guys. It was oh, open bull riding. I think there was there's a thousand added and uh one dollar entry fees. Dang. And one guy showed up. Yeah. And I I mean I don't understand. Like yeah, I was on on the practice, but like you know, guys, not that that's not necessarily practice. It is, but you're still getting paid. Yeah. You know, that that's why I would go to those open bull ridings. And th- that's why, you know, like the last year I went to PBRs, you know, I'd set out for so long on my shoulder when I had the second surgery. And that that had been the longest I'd ever set out in my whole career. Yeah. Because I, I messed, it, messed it up again at the finals. And he couldn't do the surgery on it till the start of 2020 because I'd broke my shoulder blade. So it had to heal before you do the shoulder surgery. So then that put me, you know, two months at the end of 19, six months in 2020. That's eight months I didn't get on a bull, and that's the longest I'd ever not been on a bull in my entire life since yeah. I was three years old. Yeah. You know, and so coming back, you know, I, I was like, man, I know I need to get on practice bulls. But I was to the age that, like, I was – like I, yeah, I could get on one or two at the house a day and be okay, but I would get sore real fast. Like I mean, I'd be hurting, and so that's that was another reason I bought my PRCA card back. Because when I started going back, and like Cody Lambert called me after I went to the first event back, yeah, and he said, "Did you buy your PRCA card?" I said, "Yeah, I bought it back." He said, "I think you need to go rodeo." I said, "Why?" He said, well, "I just hate to see you struggle." I was like, "Man, like." Dude, I just been sitting on my ass for eight months. Give me a break. Like I didn't even get on a practice bull before I came here. Yeah. Like let me knock a little rust off for you. Said, well, it kind of pissed me off. And so I told Samantha, I said, watch this shit. I made her finals in like five bull ridings. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, how about that rust now? <laughs> but that was a, the one of the main reasons about buying my PRCA card was, I was like, shoot, if I I, I need practice, I need to get on bulls repetition get back in the groove of things. Yeah. But I was to the age, like, I was like, I don't need to kill myself off getting on practice bulls for nothing. Mm-hmm. So I thought, kill two birds, one stone. Go to rodeos and bull ridings, get paid for practicing. Plus, so that's when I started. And in 21, 
the plan was I was going to start go all summer. I was going to try to make both finals, you yeah. know, that year in 21. Well, when we took off and started rodeoing, hell, I was having so much fun. I never went back to PBR. Yeah. And then that's how we got to where we're at. Well, that's a, yeah, that's another side of the conversation that it's hard for you to make a blanket statement about getting on practice bulls. Because are you talking to 19-year-old J.B. Mooney or are you talking to 35-year-old J.B. Mooney? Yeah, I mean, it, it changes. had a dozen surgeries and this many knockouts and you've won this much money and you start realizing somebody, I can't remember who I was talking to. I think it was Jeremy Melanson. We used to rodeo together and he's like, you get to that point in your career where you realize you got less time left than what's yeah, behind you. And you don't want to waste it in the practice pan. Than what's behind you. And, uh, you've got less rodeos in front of you than what's you've been to. And there's a, there's yeah. a paradigm shift. Um, like for instance, fighting bulls, there was a point, you know, watching Cody Webster, he's got everything, you know, he's, he's young man. He's 26, 27 years old. Like he's still super young. Cause he's been fighting bulls since he was 12. Well, as a bullfighter, like I, you know, I learned a lot from Corey wall and he was always, he was kind of that old school. Like you need to, go to everything, fight, be willing to always be willing to freestyle, you know, because even if the rodeos like, cause there's two schools of thought, you know, some guys are just like strictly cowboy protection. They won't freestyle, but you know, you get into the Corey wall, Cody Webster, Dusty Tuckness, and a dozen of these other guys like Nate Jessis and them. And they're like really good freestyle bullfighters mm -hmm. like, you know, Weston and a lot of the young guys coming up even, but, um, they, and, and freestyling, will be their way, you know, you learn to handle bulls. And if you can get around a really hot Mexican fighting bull, well, you're probably going to be able to handle one of Sammy Andrews' buckers who's got his hind end, you know, in the in the, in the the sky. You know, like you can step around him pretty easy. So yeah. the better you freestyle, the better you can cowboy protect, hypothetically. Well, then you get to be Cody Webster, and there comes a point in your career where you've got, Cheyenne and you've got San Antonio and Houston you're working the NFR you're working the PBR world finals you're working all these PBRs when you're not at this pro show every big show in the PRCA all the PBRs both finals and so there was a point where he was like he was he maxed out on his yeah. capabilities you know and it's like you literally can't accomplish anything more in yeah. pro rodeo okay well he probably doesn't need to then enter podunk bullfight yeah you know in eastern oklahoma with 200 people in the stands to win 800 dollars. you know what i'm saying and so like there was a shit now there is the side like one day we did a jared outlaw he's a he's a uh, a youtuber and he hit 1.5 million subs and he was going to get on a bull so he came here and got on a bull and so uh, i had webb here and uh webb was going to fight and um so jared got on baxter and uh just turned back, dumped him on his head. You know, Webb didn't even have on a vest. But anyways, then he loaded this fighting bull that he had brought to add to the show, to add to the video. And uh, Webb made a good point at the end of it. There's no added money. There's no crowd. There's no entry fees. Like, we're just having fun. And he had already been to half a dozen NFRs at the time. But So you still got to have that never-die mentality. But there's a, there's a career decision that comes with – you know, you get to a certain point, like you said, and uh, but it's not like he did. He hadn't already paid his dues. Yeah, 
Yep. He had been in Eastern Oklahoma podunk bullfight, you know, with them bad dudes to win 800. He had done that, you know, and it's it's not that he was scared of it. It was just a business decision for him at that like, point. It was like that day I got on that practice pool. Yeah. You know, we went eight and we came back. I'm like, load him. Another one. Yeah. You got on a second yeah. one. Yeah. I'm yep. like, run him in there. And, you know, you got you always have to have that attitude. Like I did it at the house one day. I had a, a pet Bremer that was there, and Hunter, he had got on him a couple of times. He just hogged around. Well, I was trying to talk to them boys. I was like, just get on him. He's already loaded. No, we're not getting on him. No, we're not getting on him. And I was like, piss on this. So I walked over and grabbed a flank, and I put it on him and just crawled on him. No, Didn't even flank him. Just had a flank. So I'm going harder without a flank than when he did with a flank. Yeah. You know, but I got on him, just slick held no vest, you know, anything. Like that. I was like, all right, go ahead. You know, you got to have that mentality that yes, you can, you know, the opportunity comes, you might as well take it. And I was always like that. Like, you know, when even when I was younger, we'd go get on practice bulls. Anchor Bull Company out of Virginia hauled some pretty good bulls of the PBRs for a while. And they had a big old – Tan looking Bramer nub horn. They called him G Wallace, dude. I knew the boys at Red Chad Ellison, they raised him. And he was mean. They'd been hauling him in PBRs and stuff. And we were up there. They canceled the Tuesday night bull riding they had in Virginia. But they were wanting the buck bulls there. So a bunch of us sent well, four or five of us, we go up there and middle of the day, in the winter, it's inside, no heat, it's cold. Yeah. We're getting on bulls, and I can't remember how many I'd already been on. Well, they run the Bremer in there, G. Wally in there. They had him. They'd always bucked him out of the left, and they was wanting to try him out of the right. No bullfighters. Brad, the guy that had the bulls, he was fighting bulls in coveralls and mud boots. Dang. And when they rolled him into the buck and shoot, every one of them guys turned and looked at me. I'm like, what? Well, somebody's got to get on him. I said, well, I looked at him. I'm like, well, you got on one bull today. I've already been on four or five. And they they just kind of stood there. I was like, you bunch of girls, get out of my way. I was putting a <laughs> rope on him. I crawl in there. And I said, all right, let's go. That's probably the best trip he ever had. Around the end of the gate to the left, and I mean bucking. Yeah. Well, he was mean. I'm horrible at dismounting away from my hand. Like, I, I hated trying to do it. No bullfighters. Brad could step around him, but, I mean, he, he wasn't a bullfighter. Well, this son is bucking around the left. Like, could have been 88, 89, anywhere I went. And Brad steps to me, all right, get off of him. I reached down, I pulled my tail, and he would not jump out of it. He just kept getting it. Get off of him. I'm like, oh, you better pick him up. I rode this son until he finally made him jump out of it, and I stepped off of him. Unfortunately, Bull didn't buck very good after that. Dang. <laughs> he broke him. Yeah. Like, I, would, I, I probably rode this son until. 20 some seconds like i would not get off of him i was like because i knew if i tried to go to the outside i was going to hang to him right i knew that and but him there, being mean yeah i was like uh-uh. there's that moment on the back of the shoots though everybody's on the fence and everybody stepped off of it one direction and you stepped off of it the other yeah and this is kind of a playful way to describe that moment where you said you got to have that. But, like, I was explaining to Marcus Luttrell the first, when I went on his podcast a couple of years ago, and uh, I was telling him this story. We got them knocker balls, you know, and that, oh, that yeah. there was that red uh, bucking, that mm -hmm. uh, fighting cow that you bought from Webb. Yeah. 
and Webb was taking him to your house. We stopped at my house, and uh, we had a couple interns get in them knocker balls, and we were going to put them out there and with that. Just for fun. With that fighting bull. Because it's like, man, there's these knocker balls, like you're, you're safe as yeah. a. What, what could possibly go yeah. wrong? Like you're wrapped <laughs> in your mother's arms, you know, as a baby. <laughs> well, we blow them up. And these summer guns are half the size as the normal ones that you see on on the videos on the internet. And we were like, because like, I mean like mid-thigh down is exposed. Especially when one of the guys was as tall as me. So we're sitting there looking at him and we're like, ah, we'll do it anyway. <laughs> and and Marcus stopped me. Navy SEAL, lone survivor, you know, overseas, multiple combat deployments, killing people, bad dude. He stopped me in that point of the story, and he said, never let go of that. Like that thing where it's just like you're on the fence. I'll just do it. Yeah, we'll do it anyway. <laughs> you know, he said, but, and, and I, my deal was like just a playful thing, but like, and what he caught on to immediately, what he respected about the whole story and the, the industry was just that, that what you're talking about. Like, yeah. all right, step back, girls, I'll do it. And I think as a bull rider, bronc rider, bareback, anything rough stock specifically, cowboy in general, you have to have that little bit of like, like that man right there. Like you were probably standing there with him. Will Oh, yeah, I guarantee I was. Will Lowe. I was at the American. Smoking that cigarette in the locker room. I can tell the locker room. Yeah, that's the American. I was probably sitting on the other side of the, I probably was sitting in a chair over there. Yeah, because, and maybe Wade Sundell was in there. Oh, yeah. A bear a bronc and a bull rider smoking a cigarette in the locker room. But that little bit of just, and I said this on the Rogan podcast, not to name drop, I've said that three times, but he was asking about guys yeah. wearing a cowboy hat. Yeah. He was like, is there kind of, do you kind of look at somebody different <laughs> if they wear a helmet? Yeah, that was good. And I said, if you got 10 bull riders, one or two of them might be wearing a cowboy hat. Yeah. Of the Maybe. old school, of the old school guys. Yeah. And, uh, I said, I don't endorse cowboy hat and cigarettes, but if you're Man, they're delicious. J.B. Mooney <laughs> I'll be back. or maybe Will Lowe, those two individuals, there's just something about it. Yeah. There's just something about it. Yeah. I don't smoke, and any intern that comes to my house, you got to wear yourself a, a it's, helmet. It's that old school appeal. Yeah. You know? Like, they're... They're just out here to do this, and to, I'm, to challenge themselves against the animal. I might have a little bit of a bias towards the cowboy hat just because, like, there was a special mentality my dad had when he would pull it down, and it was an American, by the way, plug. Uh, he would pull it down, and it would crimp his ears just a little, and, it was in, and then that was in, like, fight mode, you know, for him. You were explaining that to Joe. Yeah, I tried yep. to at the very beginning, you yep. know. We were getting into it fast. And uh, there's that fight mode where it turns your ears a little bit. Well, you know, I'd seen my dad have it a couple of times outside of the arena. Most mm -hmm. of the time when I saw him, it was in the arena. And, uh, you know, it's like a – so it's a cowboy hat. And so in my mind, it's just – there's this image of my dad with his hat pulled down and his ears turned over just a little bit, just – ingrained in my brain and uh i think that's probably one of the reasons why it looks so cool to me when you watch jb but i mean there's plenty of bull, good bull riders that it's and that's beautiful to watch stetson stetson right and even sage 
and, and Sage, because uh, I'm remembering, yeah, he wears a helmet too. Watching those guys like just square up on a bull, so correct. Yeah, I mean that's there's it's so pretty to watch them guys ride a bull. That's a that's a signal though that you can't get with a helmet. Hat comes down, ears go down a little bit, like oh stuff's about to happen. Right, but I'm not losing my hat. Yeah, over it. Right. <laughs> Yeah, you had a brain bucket on a little. That's what you you called it. Yeah, brain opening. bucket. I wore one for a lot of years. Yeah, like uh, I can't remember how old I was. My parents started making me wear one. Mm. I was probably ten. Yeah, and they said if you want to ride, you got to wear a helmet. Well, back then that was hardly anybody wore a helmet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk about stuck out like a sore thumb, and I was pissed. And well, then I got used to it and just kept moving up. And it, like I said, repetition, it was always habit. You know, I wore it and always wore it. So it just was habit that like, I was still, I grabbed my helmet. And then I, it was 2011, I think, or 12. I was riding pretty crappy and went to get on some practice bulls. And for some reason, I didn't get it out of my bag. Like I got everything else out and it was laying right there in my bag and I went I grabbed my rope to get on some practice bulls and I walked to the bucking chutes and I just I had my hat on and never even thought twice about it nobody ever nobody said anything mm-hmm. to me like I just put my rope on never even thought about it got on the road and felt a hundred times better yeah like I was like man and never put it back on dang yeah occasionally occasionally I'll get on a bronc without a vest to just kind of like remind yourself of it, you know, and Jacobs did it this last couple of years. And that's not the same as a bull rider. Yeah. Wearing a cowboy well, hat. Kai, he, you know, first this year at San Antonio, he wasn't, he was in a slump riding kind of bad. And he asked me when we were down there, he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going back to the house. Can I come up there and stay and get on practice bulls? I said, I'll bug bulls every day. Yeah. They came and I wasn't paying attention. You see, we usually what I'm doing when we're bucking bulls, I'm either in a bag of pins, tripping latches, flanking, doing something. So I wasn't paying attention. He's getting on, well, he didn't get on in his helmet that day. And I wasn't, you know, it, I was tripping the latch and everything. Well, we got it done. He said, Man, that felt good. I said, It looked pretty good. He said, I think I'm done with that. I was like, What are you talking about? He said, I can get on my helmet. I was like, I got to think it back. I was like, Oh, that is right. And he said, yeah, I think I'm going to just not wear it anymore. And I was like, thanks. He said, what? I said, this is how it's going to go down. Yeah. Come to J.B. Money's house. You don't practice bulls for a month. And then you go back not wearing your helmet. I said, I'm going to get blamed for every bit of that. Right. I said, thanks a lot. Yeah. Well. Well, and I, so I had nine concussions growing up. And I was a hockey player. So that's what it is. Yes. I knew that. That comes every time I say that, by the way. So I'm used to that. Thank you. You're welcome. So the the last two, I was a hockey player. I was a goalie. And the last two were three weeks apart. It, it, it wrecked me and I spent, you know, I couldn't play football or any contact sports after that and all that stuff. But the secret, you know, to, to saving my head wasn't the helmet. It was not playing hockey. <laughs> You know, like if well, if I, you're getting on a bull, like you're gonna get hurt. 
Right. If that's your career. That's, yeah. it, uh, that's what I told somebody. I said, even when I wore a helmet, I mean, I, I'm, I got knocked out more times with a helmet on. Yeah, I hate to see it. And, yeah, it, it saved me from stitches and things like that, getting hit in the face with a horn. But, I mean. Yeah, it's not the hat. It's the bull riding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, 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 I, and Good I, point. That's what I told somebody. He'd been getting knocked out quite a bit. Yeah. And he said, what do you think? I said, well, one, you need to just let it heal completely. I said, but I'm telling you, it's that helmet that's knocking you out. I said, because the, it's not like he's getting hit in the face. Nothing. He's hitting the ground and it's knocking him out. Yeah. And I said, that's coming from the helmet. Because when I quit wearing the helmet, I hardly ever just hit the ground and was knocked out after I quit wearing it. Before, I could just go to sleep. And I said, it's probably coming from that helmet. I said, but, you know, like I, I've told everybody, you still get hurt. I mean, right. it's a bull. Right. They hit you hard enough in that mask. It's still going to hurt. It's going to do damage. Yeah. And I I was watching uh, football last Sunday, and I pointed this out to my wife. We were sitting there watching a couple guys on the sideline headbutting each other. Like, it's, it's not the helmets. Like, that's what they want to headbutt each other. Yeah. They want to hit each other in the head. You know, that's but they're playing football. That's why there are head injuries in football. Wow. Well, I quit wearing my helmet. It kind of worked out eventually for me. It doesn't take me near as long to brush my teeth anymore. Not near as many of them. Your in tooth. There. <laughs> what uh? <laughs> what else do you have planned? I mean, do you have any other plans for your retirement outside of like trading and bucking bulls? Yeah, they they've been kind of, you know, wanting to get me coaching maybe a team, mm. and so I've kind of been talking about that. It's not set in stone, but yeah, may go that route. Just I don't know. How do you yeah, feel about whatever. that? I would coach one. Mm. You know that. That's what I told him. I said, as a rider, I wouldn't have rode in it mm-hmm. because that, it goes against everything I believe. You know, bull rider wise. You know, I, I when it comes to riding bulls, yeah, like I wanted my buddies to go, do good, but I was there for one reason, and that was to win. Yeah, and I was not relying on somebody else to stay on their bull to make my living. Right. Or vice versa. Right. If I if I stay on my bull, I don't want to be staying on my bull to make your living. You know, and that's the only thing I'd, you know. But then, you know, they asked me about coaching. I said, yeah, I, I would be interested in doing that just because I'd want to kick everybody else's ass. I was just going to say that. It's your passion for winning. Yeah. It would, it would make you just as good as a coach. Well, that's a pretty honest reason to not do something. You know what I mean? It's not like you're just like you, you hate change. Yeah, yeah, well, it had nothing to do with change. It was just mm-hmm. my mentality towards bull riding. Right. I just, you know, when they came out with it, I was like, I, I'm. Uh, they asked me if I was going to go into the draft, and I said, no, I just I don't agree with it. You know, that's just not how I went about it. It may be the greatest thing since sliced bread. I don't know. but And I may be missing out on it, but I don't just – my mentality doesn't agree with it. Mm-hmm. You know? And you've had a very unique mentality, like you said. You never had to compete with somebody to pick that bull in the draft because yeah. that was the bull nobody wanted. Like you, yeah. you, you're unique, and you stand out, and so it makes sense that you would have a little bit unique point of view on this. And like you said, it's not like if it works out for these guys, like that's great. Like you can both exist. You know, oh, you can yeah. have your opinion about how you like to rodeo right. and and I do. I, I think it's a a pretty good deal for those guys right. you know, that are doing it, that are riding in it. I think it's yeah. a good deal for them because I mean. 
Shoot, they're getting contracts, you know, now. Yeah. Yep. I mean, they're, and that's what I was, I, I told them, I said, look, I'm all about getting paid for my butt ever hits a bull's back, you know. Right. That's awesome. But it just didn't, it wouldn't have matched for me, you know. Yep. And, yeah. And that's all right. Yep. Um, What about, like, you know, it seems like everybody's, like, expecting you to, like, do a bunch of, like, little stuff here and there. Oh, man. They, they gave me about two weeks after I broke my neck, and my phone went to ringing. <laughs> oh, will you come here? Will you come there? Will you commentate this? Will you commentate that? And I'm like, every one of them. Are you interested? Yep. What's it going to take? What are you offering? Yes. How much does it pay? Yes. Well, we're not sure right now. Well, call me back when you do. Yeah. No wasting my time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty simple. Like if you if you want to call me and ask me if I'll do something, have the price in your head when you call me. Yeah. Already nailed down. Hey, would you like to come here and do this? We'll pay you this much. It's going to be a yes or no question. We don't have to talk yeah. and hey, how you doing? Good to see you. How you feeling for forty five minutes of my life? To get to the same answer of I don't well I don't know what we're gonna pay right now. Well, call me back when you do. Quit wasting my time. I got shit to do. Right, man. And, and that's what I've told them. I said it's it's almost like they all think I have nothing to do. No, and like I, it's almost like they think I'm looking for something to go do. Like yeah, if anybody's been around the house, I don't have to leave those barns. I'll stay there and be content the rest of my life working bulls every day. You can have them call me. I well, uh, well th- I think they I, all call randy i pay for they, him they to do. wear that shirt <laughs> they, they do they do every one of them call randy do they really yes he's like i don't know why they call me i said because most of them are scared to talk to me <laughs> and they know you hang out with me all the time so they call yeah. you instead i was like you're like my manager who doesn't get paid to be my manager <laughs> yeah he's the only one that took get paid yeah <laughs> yeah i got an email yesterday evening as i was leaving your place and they were like telling me this grand idea and I've got to go to, you know, I don't want to reveal too much, but I had to go somewhere. And, um, they were like, and then we think it'd be really good to, to, um, bring out JB. And I was like, look, that's fine, but you're going to have to pay him. Yeah. Like you can offer it to him. I said, he's number one, he's probably not going to do it, but if he does do it, you're going to have to pay him. And it's not going to be just like a normal little appearance fee. You know what I mean? Like, and uh and 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 overall like they're fans and you're grateful for that and it's oh, not yeah. like i mean like oh, that's sure. awesome that's awesome but i mean uh, they they have to look at the same thing though is for 20 years of my life i've been going and blowing as hard as i possibly could right you know and now that i i once i got out of that neck brace and got to pretty much live everyday life like i can now Hell, I've got to where I like it. Like, I don't want to leave. Yeah. So, like, if they call me and want me to do something, it's going to have to be just a little bit better than good pay to get me to leave. Because right. Samantha there, Jagger comes over, you see him, ride that yeah. pony, and just, right. I mean, we're there every day. I'm always working bulls. I get to do what I want to do yes. every single day of my life, and I don't have to leave. Right. No, that's the life that you worked very hard for. Yeah. Like, you like it. Yeah. <laughs> That's why a lot of people can't get a hold of me because when I'm sorting them bulls, like, yeah, I'll either have my phone on silent, like, I, once I'm done, then I'll look at it and you know, because, yeah. and my wife has some kind of sense about her 
that when I'm in the most dangerous positions you could think of, <laughs> she calls me. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know how it works like that. I can be in the middle of five bulls that's never seen a human in their life trying to sort them on foot, right? and she'll call me and want to talk about what we're going to eat for dinner. <laughs> I'm like, well, unless you get off the phone, I'm probably not going to eat because these bulls are going to kill me. So that's that's a whole nother podcast. That's a <laughs> no. I got a I got an email from a shoe company the other day, and nobody. I mean, it's like out there, and uh, they were like, "We'd love to work with you." And I was like, "Well, thank you, number one, for even thinking of me. I really appreciate thinking of me." And I said, "What's your budget?" Like, well, we don't really have one yet. And I was like, "All right, well, let me know when you do." They're like, "Well, can you just tell us an estimate?" And I was like, "No, I can't." You tell me what you're thinking. That's I hate when they, well, what are you thinking? Well, what are you offering? Yeah. And we went back and forth three or four times. I was so nice. I was like, yeah, no, ma'am, you tell me what you're thinking. They were like, well, we just don't. And I mean, like, it was like the fourth email. I was like, okay, well, I'm done talking about it. You let me know when you have a, well, then she told me. And of course it's, you know, super low. And I said, I, again, I appreciate you reaching out to me. I'm going to have to pass. Like, you're not even going to counter? And I was like, no, because my counter is going to make you think I'm a jerk and make me sound like an asshole. And, yeah. uh, and, but I very much appreciate it. I really do. But some of those situations, like, I hate it when they, when they start the conversation off because I feel like there's no way I can get out of it without being a jerk because they're like, well, we're doing this benefit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then you're like, like oh. oh, so you want me to don't? Okay. And this, they, they, they set it up you for know. free. Yeah. And it's just like, man, I, I, to be honest, and I'll tell them this, to be honest, like, let me just send you a check. Let me donate. And then let's call it quits, you know? Cause like I have like some nonprofits that I give to three of them. Matter of fact, one of them I gave to without knowing for a year monthly. Cause I accidentally hit the toggle on the monthly give deal. I, said, I remember you telling me that I'm giving more than I even planned on giving <laughs> to these various, you know, nonprofits. Hey, check my n- next email that's coming to you. <laughs> you got one. It's going to have a an email. Yeah, oh, I have, I have email. Yeah. But it's going to have a hidden toggle click. switch. Yeah, where when, you, <laughs> when, when, when you click delete or next or whatever, it's just going to, you're automatically going to start paying me monthly give. It's, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, hey. Monthly friendship, thank, dude. Thank you for your donation. Smart is one thing I've never claimed to be. <laughs> but anyway, like, it, I, I, yeah, I understand. I don't get near as many of those phone calls as you do, but it's like they call and just well, expect. That. I don't get near as many. Randy gets a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's or Samantha. Yeah. It's Ooh. either or. I bet they get a bunch. Yeah. I'm trying to picture. Randy's at the it's, calls. Funny. it's funny, Randy. He's, I don't know I why they call me. No, I think they're better off talking to you than Samantha, actually. Probably. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Bucktown. Bucktown, USA. Yeah, why would you want to leave that paradise? It's got everything you... Because the only time you would ever leave it is to go get on bulls. Mm-hmm. Because you wanted to be around bulls. So, like, when you left Bucktown... It was to go it was, bulls. It was to go do something with bulls. You know, it's not like you just wanted to get away. Yeah. Yeah, that's the same thing with me and the beaches. Oh, it's it's the such, same thing. I it's love such a my, nice quiet spot too. And and you got in just before everybody rushed into yeah. this area. Yeah. That's right at I the mean, tail end of twenty twenty. That's what everybody talks about going on vacation, going on vacation. I'm like, dang. And 
somebody asked me, do you ever take Samantha on vacation? Yeah. Since 2015, it's been a vacation. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when pretty much. They- I was like, I, I, somebody said, you ought to go to, you know, Italy. I was like, didn't lose anything there. Yep. Like, I could care less. <laughs> you know, everybody's like, well, what kind of sightseeing did you do? What are you talking about? Yeah. I didn't sightsee. I'd drive from one event to the next. You know, yeah. just whatever I saw in that direction, I got to see. It was cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, but I didn't go out of my way to sightsee. Like, I, it wasn't, I, some people would have, oh, man, you probably should have done that. And I probably should have a little more, but wasn't worried about it. I was going to the rodeo. Yeah. Retirement for me, one day I could see a week of snowboarding, a week or two of hunting, maybe a little beach trip, but then cows. Messing with cows, messing with bucking horses. I mean, like 11 months of the year outside of those few trips for retirement, like I'm going to be at the house working with a horse, working with cows. Well, and you know, I think that's something that JB could teach everybody. I don't mean just people in the business, but have a purpose for your life that matters outside of what you do for for a job. And he he's found it a long time ago. Oh yeah, I know. That's what everybody always asks. So what are you going to do when you retire? I said, mess with bulls. Yeah. Mess with bulls. You already that's know. I, I mean, that's all I've done my entire life. The other thing yep. people don't realize is like a lot of guys stop rodeoing and the sponsors stop. But then there's some names out there, J.B. Mooney, Trevor Brazil, Dale Brisby, where it's like you're a household name. And, like, you're able to – you've got a brand yep. that doesn't – it's yep. not like people are done with you. So what's, do you, what sponsors do you have if you want to plug them? Oh, Monster, you know, Yeti's hanging with me. That Total Feeds guy. That total Feeds guy. Yeah. What? Uh <laughs> No, I t- I turned when I when I got the news when it came up on Instagram. I was sitting on the couch. Brandy sent it to me. I was sitting on the couch with my wife, and she goes, "Oh, what do you think? You know, he's he's neck, he's retired." I said, "He's way more valuable to me now. Now I know he'll be alive." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you can pin him down for a podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you ain't doing that. Uh, that's what. That's Come what on I, up the deals. Uh, that's <laughs> what everybody everybody said. You gonna be around the house? Uh, uh, yeah, my schedule kind of open pretty much completely now. yeah yeah you're not yeah the the whole point of that is like as a sponsor like yeah. we've got one sitting here like no 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 no. it's almost like it's just starting yes because i've been down this road and actually you know i could have i could fill this room with all my my marketing friends in the industry and we can talk about this how people don't know what to do with themselves when their main focus is done and and they just fade into oblivion. There's nothing left of them. And I'm like, no, JB's not like that. He's got a life. We we can still make make that work. Well, and I think again, the brand. Yes. It's not like you know. No, like, this well, works to, to go against your can am. After I broke my neck and put out that you know samantha one and it was funny when i did that because i was sitting in a chair having my neck brace on i may or may not have had a pain pill in me and i'm just on my phone over there and i'm going and she's trying to talk to me. i was like please just stop talking to me let me finish doing this she's like what are you doing i said i'm putting a post up she said about what i said me being done 
She said, I don't think that's a good idea. I said, well, somebody's going to find out about it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. put something out there before I do. And it's not going to be the way I want to say it or oh, how man. I want to say it. And that's I said, a good it's point. Gonna piss me off. That's so, so true. <clears throat> I'm going to do it before anyone else does. That's and so, so true. I did that. And a week later, you know, Brad calls me and he's like, hey, Kubota wants to resign you. I'm like, do what? He said, yeah, they want to resign you. I was like, they know I'm not riding. Oh, yeah, they don't care. They're, they're of resigning you oh, next yeah. year. I'm like, perfect. Of course. Heck, yeah. This is yeah. awesome. Yeah, let's yeah. let's watch JB's, you know, turn his life into his life, not yeah. his career. Yeah, I was sitting there. I was, talk, I was talking to him. I was like, I can make this much without ever getting on the bull? <laughs> I was like, hell dang. She should have done this a few years ago. He's like, really? I was like, no, I'm lying. I wish I was still riding bulls, but this is <laughs> cool, though. <laughs> right. So you got um, so you got Monster, Yeti, Total Feeds. Wrangler. Kubota, Wrangler. American um, Hat. Wait, yeah. American he, Hat. He texted me. He said, hey, you're American Hat and your family for life. There you go. So uh, I'm probably missing something. See, now we have time for more videos, more posters. Oh, podcast. Bill Fick. Bill Fick Ford. Bill Fick Ford. Ryan they said I was Wrangler for life. And that's what Monster was. That's what Mitch told me. Uh, when I decided, because I knew, you know, their pretty much sponsorship deal was PBR. So when I decided to just go rodeo, I called him and asked him. I was like, hey, man, I was just going to let you know and see. I said, I'm going to go rodeo. Instead of going to PBRs, would you still like to sponsor me? Or and He said, JB, as long as I'm working for Monster, you're a monster guy. There you go. Perfect. But there's, you know, that's your appeal, though. JB Mooney is is JB Mooney. That's it. You get what you get. So if you accept that as a sponsor, you're golden. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's not going to be anything else. I remember there was one that wanted to sponsor me. Had some equipment. I'm not going to name any names, but it was, you know, like shock therapy treatment or whatever and so they called me they wanted to send me the machine or whatever try it out and i was like all right cool well i'm real bad like everybody knows don't call me over and over and over mm -hmm. like i cannot stand being on the phone all day yeah i'm working bulls most of the time mm -hmm. yeah yeah oh man after about a week i boxed it back up and sent it back to her yeah and, oh did it not work i was like i don't get i don't give a shit whether it worked or not yeah. I said, you calling me eight times a day, texting me 12 times a day. I said, I can't deal with that. Yeah. My wife doesn't even do that. I was like, <laughs> I was like, it's not worth it. Right. Can have it back. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, the message to people is, is it's the still, it's the same JB Mooney. Yep. He doesn't have to do anything. Nope. If you'd like to do something with JB, then have a budget in mind. When you reach out and give that budget to him, and if the money works, then it'll work. And even if you reach out to Randy, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. say, Randy, we've got $50,000 for JB to do this thing. And then he will tell JB, and JB will answer yes or no. That's what you should, that's the way to do it. If you want to work with JB, that's the way to do it. Yeah. So, are you coming out to the NFR? Oh, uh, all 10 days. Are you? Okay. Mm -hmm. We're, We've got a, he's got a second booth in my booth upstairs. Um, I'll be there. We should the do something. Yeah. 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 I got, I'm going to do 
some there's a couple podcasts that want me to do or something. I don't know. Yeah. But I don't know who for. Uh Tough Cooper's mom got called and asked and they got me signing autographs a couple nights, you know, and stuff like sure. that. And then there's a couple of after parties they want me to go to. Just You going to that one know. Kid Rock's doing? Have you talked yeah, to Yeah, they him? call they called me he called me and wanted me to come to it. I just told him I'd have to figure out, make sure it's not the same time. As your other deals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's like during the week. It's like a is thirteenth maybe. Yeah, I can't. I can't it's like yeah, it's like a Wednesday Thursday, like in the middle of that second week. But um, we're gonna be upstairs uh, by the stage. Yeah, they move the stage upstairs. Um, and Flint will be there every day. Sweet. You, you guys, you remember you did that together? Yeah, that was a really good show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Flint, if you're listening. Yeah. She is. Obviously. Obviously, he's listening. Two and a half hours in. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, come on out. That's also, we'll, I'll have uh, two booths downstairs, upstairs, Cowboy Christmas. That's where we'll have the JB merch. Merch. JB Mooney merch or rodeotime.com. And Jagger. Don't forget the Jagger merch. Yeah, That's we got my some Jagger t-shirt. Oh, yeah. yeah. It'll be running around out there. Yep. I got about a dozen new designs coming. So yeah. check out rodeotime.com oh, yeah. for. I got, I got to pick my. Tiffany work gloves up. There you go. I don't need bull riding gloves anymore. Have you ever had their work gloves? No, I guess they got your mold of your hand or whatever. They just make you some work gloves. You talk about wow, comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's like like a, the best work gloves ever. Fits like a cotton glove, but it's leather. That's awesome. They're. I didn't know they. I, I well, I don't know why I didn't know they wouldn't make them. You know, they make leather gloves. Yeah. And Cody Lambert had a pair of work gloves on and. Uh, I was looking at him. I was like, "What kind of gloves are those?" He said, "Tiffany's." I was like, "I didn't even think about that." Dang! But I called him and asked, and I got a couple pair of them, and they seem to disappear all the time. Yeah. And but I mean, like you know, because you buy them if you're in between size, medium or large, you buy them. They don't yeah. fit right. They're either loose or always in the way. Well, you know, they've got traces of your hand, and I mean, these things are wow. Dang! I may have to get some. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I do all that much work, you know, but just to have them. But they look cool. No. They look cool. And they feel cool. <laughs> no, you've got interns. Yeah. You, you should you should look into interns. You need some I interns. should I should cuz uh a feed crew around my house is getting pretty wore down. It's uh <laughs> three of us, me, myself and I. Do you really you have a spot for one? Yeah, I got the fifth wheel sitting there. The mobile suite yeah. is empty. Well, if you want to be JB Mooney's intern, would a bull ride, you want him to be a bull rider? If he's going to be a bull rider, you better be tough and not scared of anything. Bull rider or not, why don't you send a video to Rodeo Time Instagram? Yeah. Don't send it to me because I probably won't see it for six months. No. Yeah, send a video to Rodeo Time Instagram. Say, I want to be J.B. Mooney's intern. This is a great idea. You need to be tough no matter what. Yep. But if, yeah. you, if you And if you're scared of bulls. Don't come. Yeah. Because I got some main ones. The more experience you have, the better. When you come to Dale's house, we don't mind if you have any experience. I would suggest if you're going to be De- uh, J.B. Mooney's intern, you better have some experience. I would also suggest, you know, I grew up out on the prairie where I worked harvest 16 hours a day. If you don't know how to work, don't even bother. J.B. will have no patience for you. But no. there's, work. But there's some, there's some cool-ass times. Like, for instance, 
you're when you're bucking, like they get to be around the buck Absolutely. out. They're hanging out. Oh, I yeah. mean, last night we were out there and it was um, it was JB Mooney. It was Kai Fuse, uh, Sorry, Kai I Hamilton. know a different. My my buddy Kai Fuson, Kai Hamilton, Jacobs Crawley, Mason Taylor, uh, Fritzlin. Oh yeah, Colton Fritzlin. There was half a dozen NFR, PBR finals, world champions, all the things hanging out. And so, like, had you been there, like, not only are you getting to hang out with these guys, you're getting to learn from them. You know, JB will spit some knowledge randomly. Oh, yeah. You could ask Kai. Like, I don't know. Like, that's – people should pay you to, to work for you. No bullshit. Like, if you, want, awesome. if you want to be a bull rider – That's even better. Idea. Who wants to pay me to come work for me? I'm not lying, man. <laughs> like, if you if you wanted to be a bull rider – like you pay all this money to and go to schools, and if you can run a weed eater, well, you're that's not a kidding. Plus, also, yeah, weed eater. No, yeah. I'm not kidding. I'm being dead ass serious. If you really want, because this is what I think, going to a school is great. Yep. But you're there for three days. It's like drinking from a fire hose. Yep. And maybe you get matched up with the right kind of stock. Maybe you don't. But it, if you got twenty kids at a school, it's hard to match them with the right stock. Oh yeah. Yep. But if you lived. And worked for JB Mooney, then you get that instruct you 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 now become it becomes a lifestyle like he was talking about. You got to live and breathe it every day. And if a little bit of work comes along with it, my whole intern program is built around Garrison Gable. He was working for Kermit Moss, who is a, who won the um, the uh, average title in 1995 in the team roping. Mm-hmm. And Garrison said, "When when I leave here, they're going to have to hire somebody to do the job I'm doing." maybe even two people because he worked so hard. He said that work, I'll work all day, every day, but this knowledge I've, I've learned from Kermit, I'm going to take it with me the rest of my life. Yeah. And Garrison saw it as like, he was getting the better end of the deal and he worked his ass off. And this, this intern program is modeled after that because you get work is work. Like whatever. Yeah. You know, so long as you got, and, and JB's going to take care of you. He's not going to let you outwork, and, you know, he's not going to let you starve if you're working your ass off for him. No. JB's. No, I mean, I'm right. I only eat about once a day, so. But <laughs> what I'm saying is, is yeah. like. Quesadillas with ketchup. You think this whole mentality and we've Mountain been listening Dew. to. Hot pockets. For three hours ain't going to help you with more than bull riding. You know what I'm saying? Somebody would like, be a fool. Well, that, that's, one, that's one thing, I, you know. I told him about the team deals. You know, you see all the videos they put out of team workouts. I said, there will be none of that in my house. Yeah. That's what I mean, I said, it, it surprises me how many guys that make it to that level, professional status level riding bulls, that absolutely have no idea how to work a bull in the back pen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have no idea which way to swing a gate, mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah. And I said, that <clears throat> blows my mind. You know, I wanted – be the best bull rider so what i do i worked cattle and i learned how to read cattle yeah and just like kai kai being there he'd have to get you know gate swung and i'm like think about it kai that bull's a little hot right there standing at pin yep if you swing the gate away from him and you're standing on it he has to come dang near 20 foot to go past you i said he's not going to do that he's going to stand right there and bay up i said you open that gate slip down the inside pull the gate to you if you're right by his eye right there, he's going to go past you way easier than trying to get him to come 20 foot to go past you. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, that makes sense. And I said, you know, it amazes me that they don't – I've told every young guy, hey, what do you think I can do to get better? I said, you got to sell barn near your house. 
yeah, go get a job. Yeah. Learn how to read cattle. Because if you're not scared of them on the ground, you're dang sure not scared of them on the back. That is 100% wow. true. Yeah. I said, in that way, when you hit the ground, you're not in a panic. You see a lot of young guys, you know, they just, they don't know, have a dang clue where that bull's at when they hit the ground. They're right. just running. Yeah. Right. You know, just like running for their life scared. But it, it, once you learn, you can feel them. Like, even when yep. you're getting bucked off, you know which way they're going. If you yep. know, you know, you feel them, you can read them, you know where they're going to be at. And, you know, I was horrible at dismounts, but I knew where they were at. I, like, when I hit the ground, I knew whether me and Webb were getting ready to get it or not when right. I hit the ground. I'm like, oh, well, here it comes. Thanks, Webb. <laughs> right. And, but you're not scared of them. You're more relaxed. And yeah. that's what, that just comes from being around them every day, being able to work them, read them. And when you're not scared of them on the ground, you're not scared of them on their back. Yeah. I call it being bull savvy is what I call it. Yeah. Being able to tell what that sun gun is going to do before he does it, you know, and then pins. I just think that there's some kid out there that does drink concrete every morning. Like he, he can sack up and he's tough and he knows a little bit about bulls. Yep. He can show up at JB's house and say, I will outwork anybody yep. to be here. I'll clean the toilets. I'll clean the water troughs. I'll, you know, in the in the wintertime, I will work you know, uh, 60 hours a week to learn how to be the best bull rider yeah, that, in the world. And that's the thing. Like, the reason I had so much trouble keeping guys hired around there working is because, yeah, when I'm gone, it was fine because the out of sight, out of mind kind of deal. But then I get home and I see how lazy they were. I see yeah. what not was, you know, what wouldn't finish, what. Yeah. I mean, just simple, small things. Yeah. And then I'm there, and I'm seeing them work every day, and I'm like, why am I paying them to do that when I can, like, I do, I can work circles around them. Yeah. And it's not it's not like I'm going to stick you out there, leave you by yourself, and be like, hey, here, go do this. Like, I work just as, I work harder than most people. Like, yeah. you know, Stormy. That's, that's how you grew up. Yeah. Stormy Wayne lived with us for a while. And everybody's like, what do you, you and JB do? Like, y'all just hang out and just, yeah. and he's like, no. And this was before Jagger was born and stuff. And he's like, he never sleeps. He never eats. <laughs> he stays in that shop working on stuff till 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. He goes in there, he goes to bed. He's back up before daylight, yep. wakes me up. He never eats. And like he yeah. said, it's nonstop all day long. Yep. And right. I, I'm, a, I'm a little better at it now because Jagger's old enough and fortunately for me, he will not go to bed unless I'm at home. So mm. when he has school, I have to be home by a certain time so we can eat, get to bath, get in bed, so yep. he'll go to sleep. Because if I don't, his mother gets really, really pissed at me. Well, one other thing about Garrison, they they roped every day. He worked his ass off. They roped every day. You know, Kermit made sure that you know it was a, it was a good exchange. And I, they both felt like they were getting the better end of a deal, which makes it a good deal. And that's where I think with you, it's just like somebody would be able to get on bulls as much as their ass could handle it. You'd put them on them. Yeah. Yep. Like Kai, I like, Kai, he's good to have living down there now because he craves it. He wants to get on. He didn't get on yesterday because his, you know, he's from Australia and 63 degrees was too cold for him. <laughs> I like jacking with him and messing with him and, He's not as bad as I make it out in the bucket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, he was at one time, but he's gotten right. a lot better. Yeah. Like, I'm like, that name, they don't have to be standing perfect. Yeah. And that when he got on that spotted bull that day, the way he was wadded up in there, 
six months ago, eight months ago, he would have never called for that bull that way. Right. He would have fought that bull in there. And now he's like, are you guys ready? Yeah. Just buck him. Right. They're going to stand up. I mean, and, you know, I've kind of told him that. I say, quit taking so long in there, you know. Just get in there, tend the business, slide up there and not. Them bulls will stand. Yeah. You know, if they're not standing exactly how you want them to stand, nod your head. They will. Right. Well, that's cool, man. I appreciate everybody listening. Appreciate the mindset that you're sharing with us. Appreciate Total Feeds bringing us uh, the nutrition. Oh, yeah. Jagger also appreciates that because he eats the horse feed. He eats it straight. <laughs> like, that's, that's not a joke. That is no joke. He eats it. I've got those locking containers, you know, that you spin and flop the little deals up. Yeah. So I've started putting, like, my little feed wagon and everything. I put them in it. So it yeah. keeps them sealed up, you know, if it rains that way, it ain't getting wet. And he knows how to open them. Yeah. And he'll cry. If I see him in the back of that side-by-side, I know what he's doing. Like popcorn. Yeah. He opens that thing up, <laughs> spins it open, and he'll. That's hilarious. He's sitting back there chowing. <laughs> I'm like, dude. Knowing Dr. Harry, it's probably that's fine. That's why he's so strong. Yeah. But it's probably fine knowing Dr. Harry. Yeah. Like he's probably. But, well, if he gets eight pounds of it, he doesn't need hay. We know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he won't tie up. Yeah. Well, this whole podcast has been mindset. Usually we end with a motivational quote. Do you have a specific quote you live by? Nobody remembers 85-point yeah, bull rides. <laughs> kind of like the way I took my rap. I'd rather drag to death than starve to death. That's it, man. I'd, that That's going on a shirt. I'd yeah. rather drag to death than starve to death. That's a great one. Dang. We'll end it there. You got anything, Corey? I can't top that. Yeah. Hey, if y'all want to be an in, if you want to work for JB, uh, intern, whatever you want to call it, get on bulls, you know, Bring you riding britches and be ready to work hard, but send a video to uh, Rodeo Time Instagram and we'll get you fixed up. If you want the JB merch, check out rodeotime.com. Thank you, my man. We're on to the next one. Yes, sir. Oh, pal. Welcome, JB Mooney, to the Rodeo Time Podcast. Hey, if you're interested in XV Ranch apparel, JBDB apparel, the Mooney Zone t-shirts. We've even got a few posters that he signed that are left. Go to rodeotime.com. And as this podcast is releasing, we're starting Black Friday. So it's going to run from now until Cyber Monday. So for a whole week, the first week this podcast is out, it's buy one, get one on rodeotime.com. You buy a cap, you get a cap, and you get to pick the free item. You buy five, you get five, and you get to pick the free five. So check out RodeoTime.com, get your J.B. Mooney apparel along with Rodeo Time apparel. And uh, we'd like to thank our sponsors, American Hat, Total Feeds, that J.B. and I share, along with uh, my other sponsors, Can-Am, Side-by-Side, Rock and Roll Denim, we love that reflex, and Mountain Ops Supplements. We'd like to thank all those guys for bringing you this podcast with J.B. Mooney.